What's up, everybody? Justin Ochoa back with episode 18 of the Gym Sessions podcast. And today's episode is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I cannot wait for you guys to dive in to this episode. We have on Brandon Wood, um, who is a professional basketball player currently playing in Australia, formerly Michigan State Spartan, um, 10-year pro going on 11 years. But that is just scratching the surface of this guy's amazing journey and amazing story of how he just continues to fight through adversity and find success in life on and off the court. Um, man, this episode, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys up front now, this episode is three hours long, which is the longest episode that I've ever done, but it is so captivating the entire time. Um, I'm locked in the whole time. We get into conversations about basketball, uh, spirituality, fear, like the the range on this episode is insane. And partially because we're talking through Brandon's entire story, which includes injuries, um, coaching disagreements, transferring schools, um, allegations against his character that led to an arrest and eventual dropping of the charges um, and clearing of his name, pro career, getting cut as a pro, um, the tragic loss of his wife, um, moving on from that tragic loss, restarting this this career and in the second half of his basketball career like I'm telling you guys this this episode is is by far one of my favorites um, so many gems in this episode so many life lessons like aside from basketball this is this is amazing life lesson um, episode that's full of Brandon's journey and his story and his unique perspective on all of these things that have helped shape him into the man that he is today. Um, I could not be more happy about how this episode turned out. Um, super proud of Brandon. God, I've, I've known Brandon for some years now, but we've never talked at this level, um, at this depth and about some of these topics. So again, I really encourage you guys to dive in, break it up into segments if you have to. This is uh, truly a powerful episode, and I'm super excited for how it turned out. So proud of Brandon and, and just honestly just have so much respect for his perspective and, and his, his outlook and the ability for him to share his story in the way that he does is truly phenomenal. So again, episode 18 with my guy Brandon Wood. Check it out. I really hope you guys enjoy it. Brandon, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. What's going on, bro? How you doing? I'm good, man. Can't complain. I'm I'm glad that we could uh work it out with the time difference and everything like that. So it's uh it's eight p no it's seven p.m. here. What time is it out there in Australia? Right after ten a.m. on March first. That's crazy. So you're a day. Yeah, it's Tuesday night here. It's Wednesday morning there. I'm, I'm 17 hours ahead, I believe. Yeah, dude, that's insane. So, we'll uh, we'll get into you know why you're out there and and what you're doing out there and everything later on in the show. But uh, first, I kind of just want to let you 
give an intro, um, tell everybody who you are and you know what you do and all that good stuff. No doubt, man. First off, man, thanks for having me. You know, I appreciate you having me on your show. You know, for sure. Uh, it means a lot to, you know, be able to come on here and share part of my story, part of myself. So um, much respect to you, you know, for uh, offering a platform and, you know, bringing your network together and uh, sharing yourself, you know, allowing people to share their stories, to be vulnerable, to open up, you know, to share some insight and perspective. So first off, much respect towards that. You know, I'm on a similar journey as well with my yep. own po podcast. So uh, definitely understand and uh, wanted to show love with that. Um, born and raised Kokomo, Indiana. So probably are you? You're in Indianapolis, right? Yep. So about you know 30, 45 minutes north of you. Uh, born and raised Kokomo, Indiana. Um, had a great upbringing. You know, um, played all the sports. Um, my parents really poured into my sister and myself as far as sports and, you know, extracurricular activities, as far as, you know, different summer programs that they uh, put us into, signed us up for, um, you know, a very diverse um, upbringing. You know, I grew up um, not privileged at all. You know, it was, um, it was, you know, there were some tough times, you know, but mm -hmm. my parents always kind of protected us from that, you know, so didn't have the the worst upbringing but you know it definitely as you get older and reflect you know you um put the pieces together and really understand mm -hmm. what you, um, you know so i grew up you know living in pretty much all the trailer parks in kokomo um grew up going to um within the northwestern school corporation which was um predominantly white school organ corporation so uh, fortunate to have a foundation of, you know, understanding different cultures and um, being accepted early on, you know, so I really didn't have any um, victimhood in me, you know, and as I got older, I continued and still continue to understand um, the history and, you know, society and the systems that are in place. So. At an early age, you know, I was really filled with love, you know, from a in-home standpoint, from a, um, my friends and their families accepting me into their homes and playing sports with them. And um, so my, my life has really been truly based on love, you know, and definitely grateful for that and definitely seeing the um, impact and effects now further down the line that that had on me. So definitely grateful and appreciative for that. So um, grew up playing all the sports, baseball, basketball, football, track, um, you know, just just love to compete, you know, love to, um, you know, play different sports, you know, love to be around my friends. You know, that was uh, a big part of it, you know, just being around your friends and uh, just that fellowship that comes with that and just, you know, playing sports, you know, and at, on the back end, you realize that the, the impact that that really had on you so mm -hmm. grateful um left the northwestern school corporation which was like in the county area of kokomo there's about five or six schools high school corporations around the county and then there's one school in the city which is kokomo high school so eighth grade eighth grade came and i had to make a decision whether i wanted to stay in the county and go to school or move into the city and 
um, have the chance to, um, to be honest, for sporting reasons, you know, do I want to mm-hmm. stay where I'm comfortable or do I want to get out of my comfort zone and play against players who are more talented and more skilled and stronger and bigger and faster and, you know, that's just a sports side, you know, but even just the life side, you know, just to have the opportunity to continue to mold into the man I am, you know, and to find myself in more diverse circles and have a more diverse group of friends. Um, it definitely added to my growth as a man and as a, um, you know, a human, you know, mm-hmm. so definitely great for that. So I made the decision to move into the city, um, played four years of high school, um, didn't really, I played all the sports until high school. And then once I got to high school, I knew it was time just to lock in on the hoop. So played four years for Kokomo freshman year, played, I, I like, I was the player who started JV, but just dressed varsity, you know, I didn't get a mm-hmm. lot of minutes my year. So, uh, but definitely had a great experience, um, being able to dress varsity, you know, I have always been a player in person that really didn't expect too much, you know, because I've always had to really grind and put the work in to get it. So it wasn't a tough situation by any means, um, kind of in relation to what I assume and see and observe that players deal with these days. These younger players just, you know, if they're not dressing varsity or playing varsity, you know, they're, you know, it's kind of kind of shakes them up, you know, they kind of right. judge themselves. You know, so I really didn't have any of that in me. I was just happy to be there, happy to continue to play, you know, just play the game that I love. You know, my sophomore year uh, would be my what I would consider my breakout year. Um, I had like a 30 point game um, and and earned the starting spot my sophomore year. So finished that year and then junior, senior year had two big years, Um, not necessarily as a team, but as an individual had very, Mm -hmm. very productive years. Uh, but my sophomore year was the best high school team that would I, that I was on. So uh, finished my career, you know, had options to go pretty much to probably any mid-major school in the country. Um, had probably 20, 30 different offers. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'll leave it there and, and, and let you kind of pick it up from there. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's, the, that's, a, that's a good good start of my uh, journey, but you know, there's been plenty more since then. Oh yeah. No. So kind of like, you know, taking a couple steps back, like you said, you know, growing up in, in Kokomo, a lot of people don't, they're not going to know what, what Kokomo is. And, you know, I've been in Indy my whole life and I, I didn't even know that there was that many different corporations or, or segments of Kokomo, you know, to, to have the option to go to other schools within the city of Kokomo. And, you know, I would say Kokomo, like you described, is definitely not a, it's not a privileged area, you know, like it's, it's, it's rough, you know, let's just be honest, it's, it's rough. And, and it's so blue, it's a blue collar, blue collar city, you know, it's, it, it's built around factories, you know, Chrysler, yep. Delco, you know, my mom worked at Chrysler for 15, 20 years, all my friends and uh growing up whether it was in the county or in the city you know all of their parents and uncles and grandparents you know built a life around um working in the factory Mm -hmm. you know putting in a lot of hours and making solid money but you know at the same time being comfortable and being complacent in some cases you know not really uh venturing out and being a visionary um 
to say the least, you know. So um, definitely grateful for the, you know, what type of city it is, you know, hardworking, um, a lot of love, a lot of family life. Um, it's a small knit city, but, you know, a lot, everybody pretty much knows everybody or familiar with everybody. So, um, yeah, definitely a city that's not really known, even in the mm -hmm. state of Indiana. You know, there's a lot more to it than what people probably imagine, but uh, definitely appreciate my upbringing there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's tough. It's a it's gritty. It's uh, like everybody I know from Kokomo um, is, is just like not afraid of hard work. You know what I mean? Like they're they just embrace the hard work and embrace any adversity. And, you know, I, I think that's going kind of diving back into your story. Um, you know, obviously you've you've had diversity or not diversity, adversity. We'll get into that. But we'll pick it up where you left off, um, you know, choosing a college. And I know that you had you've had a couple spots um, that you've played college ball at. And then now you're obviously in your professional career. But talk about that first decision. Um, I believe it was was it uh, NIU that you went to first or SIU, SIU, SIU. SIU. Yeah. So what stood out there? Um, what? what was that decision like? And then what ultimately led to you leaving there and, and finding Valparaiso? Sure. Sure. Uh, so back when we were coming up, you know, that's when we were getting mm -hmm. le letters in the mail, you know? So um, <laughs> I was getting like hundred letters, a hundred letters of mail a day. And probably 25 of those letters were from SIU, you know, and it would be just, you know, postcards with quotes on it. Um, little short messages from the assistant coaches, you know, just a, a variety of different, um, you know, just just love, you know, just them showing yeah. love, you know, motivational quotes, sending some a little couple words of advice, um, you know, just showing their um, their their interest in, in me joining their family and um, being a Saluki or you know, that's pretty much from every school, you know, so. It's cool to look back and, and remember the times when we actually got yeah. physical mail, you know. Um, so I was getting letters, you know, from a lot of different mid-majors. You know, I played very well, um, not only in high school, but high school, but most importantly in the AAU circuit. Um, so I always I never really played like on the top teams, you know. Um, I kind of was like. I wouldn't say I was underrated, you know, but I really, I was like, I wasn't one of the top, considered one of the top players in the 2007 class, which is one of the best classes. Oh, yeah. Ever, you know, I was yeah. like the, probably like the 15, 20, like the 20, 30 range, you know, but if you played against me and seeing my game, like, I was kind of like, I guess you consider maybe underrated, you know, but I never really played for like the top teams, you know, so it kind of mm -hmm. goes back to like, I never, I remember like looking on the internet, looking on message boards, you know, searching for my name and waiting yeah. to see my name like when I did on the rare occasions that I did. But like, I never really expected nothing. You know, I was just so in the moment and just, just love to play, you know? So I played on like the mid-level, lower level teams, you know, which I think really helped my development because we might've not won tournaments and won majority of the games, but I really got to develop as a player. You know, I got to play my game really from the beginning, you know, so right. I had the most confidence, 
you know, I've got to play through mistakes. I've had, like I said, the confidence, you know, so it played out perfect for me, you know, even though like in the moment she like, you want to play for those top teams. Right. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I did end up playing for the Spies, uh, for a Spies team, you know, but it wasn't like the top team in my grade. It was like the second or third team, but um, yeah. So SIU was the first school that really like showed a lot of interest, you know, whether it was calling me every other day, calling my parents, talking to them, getting to know my family. Um, and then that combined with the letters, you know, um, I knew that they were very interested, you know, and I knew that they were, they were coming off of a sweet 16 year, the year before I committed, you know, but to kind of go back and add some, some context to the story, um, I actually was going to commit to Butler, you know, so oh, I was going to, yeah, I was going to commit to Butler. I was set and locked with Butler. Um, so I had the Butler, the Butler visit scheduled and I had the SIU visit scheduled for the following weekend. Um, there was some interest from Army as well. Once it got serious, it really came down from to Butler, SIU, and Army. Um, I felt one of the, you know, top players that ever played at Kokomo, Matt Bell, he played at Army, you know. So I knew I wasn't going to go there, but out of respect for him and respect for yeah. the Army, I wanted them to be along through that process, you know. So it really came down to Butler, SIU, and Army. Um, so I went on my Butler visit. Um had a great visit, you know, that's when coach Brad Stevens was the, he was the one, the, the guy recruit me, the coach recruit me. So he'd be coming to Kokomo, like, you know, once <laughs> a week, coming to practices, you know, watching our practices, you know, so that's cool to look back on now to see where his journey is taking him and, mm -hmm. and kind of, yeah, Brad Stevens, he used to come to my high school when he was trying to work <laughs> it, um, become a college coach, you know, so it's cool to have that little, uh, little synergy within our journey you know mm -hmm. uh, so i had a great visit at butler um got to meet the coaches got to meet the players um that's when mike green was the top player there so he was kind of hosting me around the campus so I had a great visit and then um at the meeting before we departed from the visit my family and i were sitting in the room and they had one scholarship offer on the tech to go like they had one scholarship to offer and they told me that they were going to offer it to me, you know, and then they were going to offer it to, uh, Sean Van Zant. So Ooh, that's a name right there. I haven't heard that name in a minute. Yeah. So they had one scholarship that, you know, they offered to me and they were going to offer it to him. So they made it known, you know, uh, if he takes the scholarship, um, there's no scholarship left, you know, but out of my loyalty, I'm a very loyal person. So out of my loyalty and the, the love and the, um, involvement that SIU had early on the first school that really showed me that high level interest. I knew, I kind of felt like I owed it. I, I owed it to them to go on that visit the following weekend, even to, just out of respect for them and their mm -hmm. commitment to me, you know? So I'm like, okay, you know, I understand that there's one scholarship. I understand that you're offering it to two players, but you know, out of my loyalty to them, you know, I want to go on this visit. And then after the visit, I'll, I'll commit to you guys. I'll sign my, you know, letter of intent. So this was on the weekend. So about Thursday before the weekend visit at SIU, I get a call from them and they tell me that Van Zant committed. So that scholarship was off the table. So went to SIU, you know, had a great, fun visit there. Um, and like I said, they were coming off of a sweet 16 year. So they were coming off arguably their best year ever. 
uh, or at least one of them. So, I mean, still a great opportunity to play for a high high mid-major team um, that had great a gr- great chemistry with the team that they had coming back. Um, you know, so went on that visit and, you know, kind of had to make that commitment to SIU, even though I was, you know, I was cool with it. It was okay, but um, I was committed mentally to Butler for sure. <laughs> Dude, so kind of backtrack on a, f- a few things you said there. First off, people don't realize Indiana high school basketball is it's it's in a class of its own when it comes to high school basketball. Still to this day, now we're, I was class of 08, your class before me 07. Um, people don't realize some of the people, the names that were in your class. We're talking like Eric Gordon. Etwan Moore, uh, Jeff Teague, um, obviously yourself. I'm trying to think of some other. There was a there was a big that was pretty solid. Um, yeah, yep. And, and it's like Juwan Johnson. Uh, there was there was so much talent. Uh, there was uh, Marion had two guys that both went to NC State. Uh, anyway, basically, kids didn't play varsity like freshman year, like. You you just didn't play varsity your freshman year. Teams were too competitive and they were too stacked and and people didn't tr- like transfer high schools that much. Yeah. Like if you did, you actually moved to like a different area. It wasn't like, oh, this team has five seniors, so I don't want to go there. It's like no, you went to uh, this middle school. It feeds into this high school or this area. That's where you go and you just do it. And it's like yeah. people don't realize like. I didn't. I don't think I played. I don't think I even sniffed varsity until my junior year. It's like you have too many upperclassmen in front of you, and the the talent was just through the roof, man. It was just like to to play varsity even as a sophomore was like pretty rare. And I knew I I I played with Walter Office, so he was the one guy that I knew in my class that like started varsity as a freshman and obviously he went to Ohio state, you know what I mean? It's like, there's special people out there that are going to do that. But for the most part, man, you got to wait your turn. Like you, you're not going to play freshman, but you play JV dress varsity. You might do like two quarters or whatever, but you're not like that. What kids know about varsity today, yeah, that was not the case. That was not yeah. the case, man. So throwing that in there, I just want to add some context because there's some crazy, crazy names in the class of 07 uh, from Indiana. And then if you look like nationally, like I think Jeff Teague on his podcast the other day was talking about some of the names. Like, dude, he wasn't even – I think he was like number 47 in the class. Yeah. Uh, it's like, what? who was 46 better high school players than Jeff Teague? I'm, I don't understand. So yeah. – um, yeah, I told you I'll go on rants, man. I don't even know where I was going with that one, but it's like it's people just don't understand. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it, so it's all good. We, we good, yeah. <laughs> but going going to uh to SIU, um, you you had a, a good freshman year going back to you know playing as a freshman, contributing, being productive, and then did you have an, a broken foot or some type of injury that came up. What's what's the background there, and then did that ultimately lead you to a new school? 
So kind of taking it back a little bit, my senior year of high school, I had dislocated my shoulder three times. Mm. So I was in practice and dislocated once, kind of got hit from behind. Um, I was in swimming class and I was doing a backstroke and I hit the lane line and dislocated. And mm. then one day, one day I was at the park and I went up for a dunk and dunked it real hard and popped down my shoulder again. Um, was trying to hit it against the pole to knock it back in. So <laughs> I had a shoulder that I was kind of managing my whole senior year. I had to wear like one of the, I forget what it's called, one of like the sleeves that you got to wrap yep. all the way around, wrap around your stomach. So, so I had surgery following my senior season on my shoulder um, and had to, had to rest for like three or four months. So going into the summer of SIU, you know, you know how important it is that all summers when you're playing for a university, but let alone your freshman summer, getting there, getting established and understand right. the, the game, the strength of the game, the the workload on the court, off the court. So I really, I didn't get to experience that at all because I was rehabbing my shoulder. So I didn't get to, I was on campus taking a couple of classes, but I really didn't get to, you know, go through any weight sessions. I didn't get to go through any individuals. I didn't get really get to do much conditioning. So headed into the fall, I really just was just focused on getting healthy, you know, and, and getting healthy enough just to be able to practice. So I was coming off my shoulder injury. Um, the fall started and, um, man, I was in a situation where, like, they were really pushing us to the limits, you know, mm-hmm. mentally physically um and i wasn't prepared mentally or physically you know <laughs> I, I wouldn't I, I didn't know what i was getting really my, getting myself into physically but that was still back when coaches really didn't have any regard and mm. didn't really have to have any restraint you know so like just the belittlement you know just the way that they were demeaning us and just the calling us out of our names, you know, we're 17, 18 year old young boys who are developing into young men, you know, so it was at like a a real pivotal point for a lot of us, you know, Mm -hmm. so uh, mentally, like, I completely lost the love for the game. I completely lost the confidence that I had built through my whole life. And I really didn't even want to hoop anymore, you know, just based on just the just just did not wanting to get up and go to practice, you know, not having fun, you know, not enjoying it, you know. So really that's probably like the one point in my career and like in my life that I like really question, like, do I really want to do this, you know, or like, you know, and really like, and even off the court, you know, I was a freshman in college, first time really away from home. So just being opened up and subjected to everything that comes from a, a university, Artie University where I'm experiencing myself and things in ways I never had, you know. So I was at a point to where, like, I didn't love the game no more. I didn't want to hoop. You know, I didn't have no confidence on the court, you know, and I was really just kicking it off the court, you know, just having fun, Mm -hmm. you know, had good people around me to where, like, that made it fun, you know, just – and that made – that allowed me to be able to make it through that year, you know, just, you know, kicking it, you know, hanging out, doing what we do off the court, you know, so – um, that was a tough, a tough stretch, you know, to where I was coming off an injury, you know, and just the style of play wasn't fit for me. You know, it's like they tell you 
how much they want you and this and that. But then I got there and like at that point, I really wasn't a, I had no, I didn't, I didn't want to play. I wasn't a, a defender, you know, I didn't willingly want to defend, you know, I wasn't like in high school, I didn't really have to, I just had to kill, get buckets yeah. and, you know, produce and make plays and just score, you know, but um, I, I didn't really, I wasn't, that, SIU style then was like all defense, pick up full court, you chop in with your hands on a closeout, <laughs> full court, 94 feet, you know, so just like yep. little things like you know, it wasn't a fit for me, you know. So all that combined, um, I played like the first six games of the season. And I had already – I had been playing on a, a fractured lower leg for like weeks, you know, probably months at that point, you know. And like it was just, you know, painful. Every every time I get warmed up and get in practice or get like in a game, like I wouldn't feel it. But like then like through every day, life, you know, and outside, off the court, outside the weight room – like I was in so much pain, you know, but like my coaches weren't listening to me. They didn't, they didn't take it serious. You know, they didn't respect what I was yep. saying. They really just weren't trying to hear that shit. So I'm like, you know, I got to the point to where like I got an x-ray and they're like, yeah, you know, you got a stress fracture in your lower leg. You know, it could have really broke any time, you know, and I'm like, you know, I've been telling y'all this the whole time. Like now, <laughs> I, I take it serious, you know, um, but at the end of the day, like, it, it really showed me that was like the first time I got pushed outside of my limits, you know? So like, although it was, um, although it was overboard, you know, and although it was um, that thin line of, of coaching hard and holding accountable and, and putting that pressure on the players, it was definitely crossed by far, but, you know, I really pushed my limits, you know, and I was pushing myself through it all, you know, mentally and physically. So that's something that I look back on and that I'm proud of, um, you know. So I played like six games. Um, the first game, I think it was my first game or one of the games within them six games, I had like 15 points against Northern Illinois. So if I would have continued on playing for the year, I would have ended up starting. I would have ended up having a big role. But right the game after I told him like I needed to get an x-ray and I got the x-ray came back. That was a stress fracture, stress fracture. That was the limit of being able to medical redshirt. So it was like kind mm. of perfect. We're like, okay, like, yeah, I'm medical redshirt. You know, I'm not going to try to recover and get back from this too soon. I'm going to just medical redshirt. Um, and then, you know, just get healthy and get ready for next year, you know? So, um, it kind of, it definitely worked out in my favor considering I got that year on the back end and, you know, that was a, a special, amazing, surreal year. So mm -hmm. it worked out in my favor. Um, you know, but I feel like I would have had a, a great freshman year if I would have stayed healthy, you know, if I would have continued on the path I was on, you know, because, um, although I was going through all that, I didn't really know how mentally tough I was until like, even now looking back on it, like. Like, damn, like I was going through all that on the court, off the court, dealing with the coaches, dealing with the their style that, you know, isn't a style that is that I respect, you know, but I was still producing through it, you know. So that just shows like my mental toughness and my confidence on the court and just like I was comfortable still playing my game, you know, and being aggressive and being myself, you know. So um, uh, started with the injury, you know, and then – um, I could have went to another D1 right after that, uh, but that would have been like 
that was when there was no portal, you know, so that was when I would have mm. had to sit another year. So that would have been where I was at mentally and not really wanting to hoop no more. You know, I remember calling my parents and telling them, you know, I just want to go back home and come to go to U of, U of Indy and just, you know, focus on my education. I'll play just to get my education, but I really don't, I don't really have much aspiration to really play anymore. You know, so I remember those conversations. So to go to another D1 and have to sit out another year, it just really, it wasn't realistic for me, you know. So I, um, one of my good friends, Lamar Lee, he had transferred from his uh, school his freshman year. We were in the same class, and he had already signed and locked in with a JUCO. When he found out that I was, um, I was, I was, I wasn't under. I was gonna say under contract. You kind of are under contract. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't uh, with you anymore. Um, he called me. And he pretty much offered me a scholarship to come there to the um, and told me it'd be a comfortable situation. We had the housing, we had the meal plans, we got the access to the gyms 24-7. You know, we got a lot of D1 players coming in, so we'd have a great team. So um, I trusted him and, you know, uh, I bet on myself and went Juco. That's crazy, too, because, you know, like you said, this was before the portal. This was when you had to sit out a year if you go – you know, D1 to D1 or D2 to D2 or whatever. Um, I think actually just NCAA to NCAA. So you would have had to go NAIA or JUCO. And uh, dude, back then, man, like the JUCOs were crazy because like guys who really wanted to transfer, like you really had to want to transfer to have to go through all that. And, you know, some guys decided to go sit the year. Some guys would, would go JUCO, but then you get all this, this culmination of like D1 talent at one JUCO. And it's like, holy shit, that is a, that is a crazy team right there in the middle of freaking nowhere in Nebraska, some like community college that nobody's ever heard of. So talk about your JUCO experience, man. That's uh, um, from what I've heard. I mean, I haven't experienced it myself, but I've heard JUCO that, that makes you or breaks you. And that kind of, tells you like how much you really love the game 100 percent, you know and and it made me it definitely yeah. made me even today um so i did have a juco situation where you know we did have like eight or nine d1 transfers coming in <clears throat> so um obviously first off got to meet a bunch of cool great guys from different areas of the country you know and just still have relationships with them to this day so that was cool just to have that experience of getting to know players and being around players who are in a similar situation to myself, you know, trying to get back to that next level, you know? So, um, like I said, my Juco year, it definitely made me, you know, that was, it was a comfortable situation. You know, I, I know some Juco's, um, you don't really know what you're getting yourself into, you know, but, um, I went to Highland community college, um, ran by a guy named Pete Norman um, he was the AD, he was our head coach and he was pretty much our counselor. So like he, he put us in all our classes, he ran the practices, you know, and then he had to manage other sports as well, you know, so definitely big shout out to him. You know, he's been at for like 30, 40 years, you know, now his son has taken over the head coaching job, um, which I still have a good relationship with since a couple players there actually. So definitely proud of that. Um, but, yeah, bro, like the JUCO year definitely made me, you know. It made me in a sense of, you know, we didn't have the weight trainers. You know, we didn't have 
the basketball trainers, you know, um, that was, I, I refer to my JUCO year as the year where I really had to, had to develop my work ethic individually, you know, and find that drive inside of me, you know, I didn't right. have anybody pushing me, you know, I didn't really have my coach who was there, great coach, great motivator, but obviously had a lot of other stuff going on, you know, the assistant coach at JUCO, you know, sometimes we had great assistant coaches, you know, but, you know, sometimes they're kind of just doing their own thing, paving their own way as well, you know. Um, so really didn't have anybody pushing us from the sense of a coaching standpoint in our own time, you know. So, but And we had a lot of free time, you know. So I'm thankful for Lamar being there. Lamar was already a player who had already developed that that self-drive and that self-work work ethic within himself. So I kind of got to be alongside him. You know, we were roommates. You know, we spent a lot of time together. Uh, we would always go to the gym and put up a lot of shots, you know, put our skill work in, get in the weight room. You know, that was like the first time I really had to get in the weight room on my own, you know. So that year really established my work ethic, you know, the work ethic that is growing to this day, to this week, you know, still growing, you know. So definitely give credit to that year for that, you know, but – at the same time, there's so many JUCO guys who go to the JUCO and, and relax, you know, and, mm -hmm. and don't approach the grind as they should, you know. So, um, you know, I was just so passionate about the game, and I truly did love the game, even though I fell out of love with it, you know. So that year gave me a chance to get fully healthy, you know, following the shoulder surgery, following the stress fracture in my leg, you know, get my confidence back, you know, following the coaching styles that I was within, you know. So that year not only built my work ethic, but it gave me the love for the game back and it gave me my confidence back, you know. So um, I had a chance to just play, you know, play my game, um, have fun, play through mistakes, um, you know, and just just understand that, you know, um, you you just got to kind of go with the flow, you know. So mm -hmm. one year out of the one the next year at juco you know then you find yourself at division one again and then you find yourself at the highest level of division one so my career has been kind of based on going with the flow you know and that really um that really showed to myself like you know i was able to i really i really never had too many ex expectations on myself or like for my career or for my journey you know i never really thought i was supposed to be here or or I was meant to be here, I deserve to be here, you know. Like, I was grateful to be at a JUCO, playing the game that I love. Simple as that, you know. I was just really in the moment before I even knew the importance of that, you know. So um, that year was a very, um, very great year as far as, like, my foundation that I'm still building to this day. Um, went on to win our regional championship, um, went on to – go to the Hutch, the national tournament, which is called Hutch in Kansas. Uh, we finished seventh place at the national tournament. Um, so, yeah, that was a great year, you know. And and what I recognize going to the JUCO, you know, we had a lot of skilled and talented players coming in, you know. So me not really playing for the previous year, finishing my freshman year, like playing in the rec, you know, because um, I remember, like, they were they they tried to get me to come back and play at the end of the year, but I like <laughs> another, another kind of you know another just another way of how I'm built. Like I, I've always stood up for myself, you know, and I've always followed what I felt was meant to be followed and moved how I wanted to move. 
So like they were, I remember they were trying, and this sounds crazy that I think about it. Like I was under scholarship with them. I was playing at the rec during the season. Like I was getting back healthy, but I was playing at the rec while the season was still going on. But I'm like, I'm not playing for y'all no more. <laughs> like <laughs> not coming back to play. Like I'm standing medical red shirt. You know, y'all like I'm not like I really don't be here. But yeah. like no, I'm cool. I'ma just keep playing in the rec. It's like and holding out <laughs> holding out of your contract. I definitely did. And that's, <laughs> that's crazy. But like that's that's kind of just that's kind of like I've always moved, you know, it's it's some some situations you can say it some people would perceive it as it didn't go in my favor, but like it's always went in my favor, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm good with that. And you know, um going to kind of go where I was going with it, like there was players coming from different D ones, you know, different skilled players. So I hadn't played really outside of the wreck my freshman year. So like I remember the first open gyms at my JUCO, I'm like, like, damn, like these boys, you know, they're more athletic than me. You know, they're they're skilled, more skilled than me. You know, I was always a confident player, but, you know, I, I respect players, you know, and I was a fan of players, you know, and I like uh, I, I didn't mind like looking at someone like, damn, like he he might be able to jump higher than me. He might be able to be faster and more. He was definitely more explosive than me because at that point I really hadn't developed my explosion, you know, so mm-hmm. or my speed. Um, so like I remember in them open gyms, like you know, damn, like, I don't know, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to perform, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna, it's not just gonna be given to me, like, I'm gonna have to go and take it, you know, and then once we got into practice, and the flow of practice, and the gameplay, like, I think that's, like, when my IQ would kick in, you know, um, I always had a good feel for the game on offense, and on defense, Um, SIU really showed me, like, like, the spacing, you know, I really learned the spacing of the game at SIU, although what I was going through, you know, the defensive spacing as far as help side, um, first line off the ball, second line off the ball, you know, I really learned the spacing and the help side. Um, and then even on offense, you know, just knowing, you know, the different spots on the court, knowing where to lift to when the player comes off the screen, knowing when to drift baseline, when the player's driving baseline on the other side, you know, so I learned all those little things my freshman year that I think really set me apart my JUCO year once it came time to play and you know just my IQ kind of kicked in to where you know a lot of players at the JUCO level are still they just want to hoop you know they just want to go out there and play ball um you know so I ended up um one of the like the first open gym first or second open gym at Highland um Homer Drew and Bryce Drew came and watched the open gym so this is in the same moments where I was like you know, I don't know. This not going to be given to me. You know, I'm going to have to go out here and just, you know, just play well. And, you know, hopefully I, I get a big role and hopefully I have a big role and have a great year. You know, so Homer and Bryce Drew, I remember them walking walking in the door, like the first or second open gym. After the open gym, you know, they introduced themselves to me. Um, I really wasn't familiar with Valpo at all. Wasn't familiar with Bryce, you know, in his career at all. Wasn't familiar with Homer and their family at all, you know, so it was all new to me, you know, but, um, you know, I felt, you know, just, I never, at that point, you know, I had had good people in my life specifically, like, and I'm, 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 I'm mixed, I'm biracial. So my mom is white, my dad is black, you know, I had, at that point I had had great white people in my life to that point that like I go to before, like I, 
I've always felt comfortable wherever I'm at. I've always felt welcome. I've always felt love all around, you know, but it was something about them, how like I was looking in their eyes and I can remember like just how they were looking in, into my eyes and like the, the presence that they had, you know, like they really were engaged with me, you know, and obviously I was getting older, you know, mm -hmm. I was here at college, you know, so a little bit more aware, you know, a little bit more attentive, you know, so I just remember like, most importantly, just their engagement with me, you know, their eye contact, you know, their, um, they were really listening to me, you know, they're great, amazing listeners, you know, and I'm, I'm able to lean on them to this day, you know, so that's what I noticed first, you know, just how they were engaged with me, you know, and then they caught me up on Valpo and the history of Valpo, you know, mid-major level, good mid-major who had success in the recent years in the history of the, the school, um, and then obviously Bryce introduced himself, you know, his career of Alpo hitting that shot in the tournament going on, having an NBA career, you know, so obviously that had my attention, you know, the assistant coach, you know, played in the NBA. And then they told me the non-conference schedule, um, you know, playing at North Carolina the coming year, playing at Michigan State the coming year, playing in a tournament in Las Vegas the coming year um, and just having a already a core of guys that were there in the team, you know, so uh, from the standpoint of their presence and engagement with me and how they were really listening to me, um, their history as far as their family, the Drew family, um, the history of the school and the non-conference schedule, that's what really sealed the deal. You know, <laughs> I'm going to get play at North Carolina. I'm going to get a chance to play at Michigan State. I'm going to get a chance to go to Las Vegas and play in a tournament um, so I ended up committing and signing to them before my JUCO year even began. You Damn, know, and that, and that's that crazy. Speaks, yeah, that kind of speaks for like, I've always kind of went with what I know, my intuition, you know, I've went before I even knew what that was, you know, mm. like I went with what I felt was right, you know, and never second guessed it, you know, even going back to that decision, my eighth grade year, once I seen the opportunity, you know, I remember my parents shared with me, you know, we're, it was after like a summer league game. We pulled into our driveway. Um, I had like a court set up right there. We had a light that was right above the house. So I remember like that was when my dad like told me what an informed decision was. He was like, so son, this is an informed decision. These are the pros of staying at Northwestern. These are the pros and cons of going to Kokomo, you know, and they put the decision in my hands, you know, as an eighth grader. You know, they really put put the decision completely on me. And once I kind of assessed it, I had no second guess, like, I'm going to Kokomo. You know, I had no doubts. Mm -hmm. I had no second I had no fear. And it kind of goes and applies in that situation at my JUCO as well. Like, you know, when I heard what they shared with me as far as Valpo, their family, the non-conference schedule, I'm like, okay, like, I'm making this decision now, you know. This will give me even more of a chance to get my confidence back through the season, to get healthy, to not have to worry about getting a scholarship. You know, they're already offering me a school full ride scholarship in my home state, you know, about an hour and a half north of Kokomo. Uh, so kind of like a perfect situation, which was kind of destined, you know, and it kind of just came to me. So um, I committed, had the full season, had a great season, and that kind of just led into my year of Alpo. Dude, that's crazy. I mean, it says a lot about them too, because they they offered you and never really got to see you at a hundred percent. You know, like exactly. if they if they watch film from SIU, they're watching you on a on a broken leg with a 
jacked up shoulder. And they're like, oh, we like what we see or we see the potential or, you know, they see you at your JUCO and you're still kind of trying to get your confidence back and trying to get your love for the game back. So it's like almost they had that that intuition, too, where it's like, yeah, we like this kid. Um, you know, we like what he stands for. I think at Valpo, too, like they're recruiting, they're recruiting people too, like big time, like like humans. Like they're they want to see you be. um High character, obviously basketball, all that stuff matters. But like Bryce Drew, Homer Drew, um, Valpo, like just that school is like high level of human. Like you can't just get in there any type of way. Like that's a that's a different kind of school. So um, I think yeah, that intuition they probably had that too, and and I guess it paid off. So you you end up at Valpo. Um, how many years did you play there? before you end up at Michigan State, which is what we'll probably talk a lot about because that journey is crazy. Just thinking of just saying it out loud, you know what I mean? You go from broken leg, messed up shoulder, Juco, and then you end up finishing your, your, your senior year, that red shirt year that you got back at Michigan State with Tom Izzo and, and Draymond Green, Adrian Payne, like yeah. a bunch of NBA dudes, a bunch of pro dudes, and one of the best coaches of all time. Yeah, yeah. So following my JUCO season, um, there's a group called Athletes in Action. I'm not sure if you're familiar. Yep. So um, like a mission-based group, a faith-based group. Um, and following the season, Homer um, kind of approached my family and I and told me that he wanted to send me to Europe. You know, he wanted to send me to Europe for like two or three weeks. So at that point, I had never been overseas. I had never been anywhere in Europe, anywhere across, anywhere outside of America, you know. So um, um, he he gave me my first opportunity to go overseas and experience different cultures and and play overseas. And, and that journey and that experience was a, a great step for my development as a young man as well you know outside of the game so um definitely appreciative for that opportunity that led me into my first year of Alpo. um i got to go to poland i got to go to germany um i got to visit auschwitz tra- uh, concentration camp so i went all through the concentration camp so um just to get that experience of being abroad and 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 start that development of you know the the worldly perspective that I have now, you know, that was a great, uh, starting point, you know, so grateful for that. Um, went to Valpo for two years, you know, so, uh, the first game of the season we played against ball state. So I got to play at ball state, my first game. Back. Oh, that's homecoming right there. Basically. Yeah. Back at the division one level, got to play against ball state. My first game back had 26 that game. Um, got to play against my boy Jared Jones. I don't know, you know Jared. I'm sure you know Jared. Yep, yep. I got to play against Jared. Um, you know, obviously being back at home in Muncie, Muncie. Um, you know, same seven six five area. You know, so that was yep. cool to to play there. Had 26. We took a loss, but you know, it was. I was gonna say those Ball State teams were good, man. They had uh, yeah. they had Jared. They had yeah. Um, uh, who's Malik Perry, yep. Pierre Sneed was there. Uh, they had Randy, a white point guard. I think his name was Randy. 
Davis, I yeah, think- yeah, solid. They they had a bunch of solid dudes, man. Yeah, they had, they had, a, they had a great team. Um, so yeah, played against them my first game, and then we uh, traveled to North Carolina. North then we traveled to North Carolina to play in the Dean Smith Center against North Carolina. That's uh, that's crazy. Um, so that second game of the season, you know, and that and that's the game that put me on the map, you know, that you know get, made a where I made a name for myself nationally, you know. Um, I had 30 points at North Carolina, and at the time, there hadn't been an underclassman that had scored 30 points at North Carolina in their arena. So at the time, I was the only underclassman underclassman that scored 30 at North Carolina. So that kind of put me on the map, you know, and, and, you know, I was able to build from there, you know. So I think two or three games later, went to East Lansing and played at Michigan State where I had 24 points, you know. So to have 24 at Michigan State, you know, I was like, okay, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here now, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm killing the best teams in the country at their places, you know? So it kind of just speaks for just staying ready, you know, and, and sticking to the grind and, and keeping my, my passion, you know, and just kind of believing in myself, you know, cause that's a great start to, to be back on a division one level, you know? So after that, you know, didn't have the greatest season as a team. You know, we won some games, lost some games. Um, but overall, personally, you know, it was – I couldn't have asked for a better year. You know, I was, um, I believe, newcomer of the year in the Horizon League. I was, I believe, second team all NABC region, like for the Midwest region. Um, like, I believe second team all conference. Um, so I had, like, the personal accolades, like, um, which I definitely was proud of, you know. So um, couldn't have asked for a better first year at Valpo. Going into the second year, um, Bryce really challenged me to – because up until that point, you know, I, and even still kind of to this day, you know, I'm more so of a player that leads by example, you know. Mm-hmm. I've led by example. You know, I haven't always been the most vocal. You know, I haven't always felt the most or even felt the need – um, or understood the 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 what could come from holding teammates accountable. You know, I was just like, you know, as long as I'm working hard and and producing and doing what I'm supposed to do, you know, you know, I'm doing my job. You know, so at, into my second year of Valpo, you know, Bryce really challenged me to take a step as a leader. You know, and um, not only lead by example in the drills, but you know, like make sure you're the first one in every drill. You know make sure you're the first one to the gym and last one to leave, you know, which I kind of already had that in me, you know, but to really do it intentionally for the bigger picture, you know, I wasn't really aware of how that would rub off onto the team, you know, so I took little steps to become a better leader into that year. Um, My numbers went down a little bit, but um, I was like runner up for player of the year. Uh, Me, I think, I think, Gordon Hayward or Norris Hope, Norris Cole got it, but I was like right there in the top three for the votes for that first team all conference, uh, first team all tournament. Had a lot of big games, a lot of twenty point games, thirty point games. Um, so I had a great second year as well, and we got better as a team. You know, we were like one game from winning our conference tournament to take us to the NCAA tournament, and we pretty much knew we weren't going to get in as a at a at large bid, but. You know, there was a little hope there to where, like, we had a better season, you know, to be proud of, you know, moving forward from the last season. Um, So those two years, you know, for myself, 
um, went great, you know, on the court, off the court. Um, I was an hour and a half from home, you know, so my family got to come to my games. My grandparents got to come to the games. Um, some of my friends got to come to the games, you know, so that was cool to be close to home. And there was a time difference, you know, so I could I could go home to Kokomo and be there. And, <laughs> and like, I got class Monday morning at 8 a.m. It's an hour and a half away, but there's an hour time difference. So I could be in Kokomo until 7.30 and get to class on time at 8, you know. So, like, I took advantage of that for sure, you know, so I was still at home, still my people at home, still, you know, up to no good. Uh, Dude, yeah, time – Time changes just blow my mind, by the way. Like, that just, it doesn't make sense how you can do that. Yeah, I definitely, it's just crazy. My favorites. That was, that was cool, you know. Uh, yeah, that was a great two years, you know, just learning under Homer, learning under Bryce, um, the other assistant coaches, you know, getting to know them, getting to know my teammates who I, you know, some of them, most of them, we still have some type of connection to this day. Um, so that was, it was a great two years, you know, from a, you know, uh, an athlete standpoint, growing as a basketball player, um, getting stronger physically, getting fully healthy, reaching the level of confidence that I had, you know, continuing to grow my confidence. Um, the excitement, you know, that comes with just, you know, playing well and having people watching you and building that name for yourself, you know, just seeing how all that continues to come together. You know, it was, you know, it was exciting, you know, and I was being a player like from Indiana kind of a player that wasn't like considered a top five top 10 player I wasn't an Indiana all-star um I got to play in the north south game but like I wasn't an Indiana all-star so that kind of shows you like I wasn't one of the top 20 players in the class you know I was kind of like right there after that so you know I was just grateful you know to be playing at a high level to be producing and you know just to you know be making a name for myself you know that was you know, especially, you know, and I, I didn't take it for granted. Yeah, that's what it's all about, man. You're just taking advantage of the opportunities that you have and just making making those the, the big-time scenario, you know what I mean? So I think so many, so many players get that wrong where, like you said, you're getting hundreds of letters in high school um, a week, and you're probably getting some high-major letters, right? You're probably getting some of these – Big Ten teams or some some of the Midwestern high majors, and and they're really, the interest. Really, I didn't. You get didn't any, get any. Though. Really, the only letter I got from a high major was Wisconsin. So I'll mm. get letters from Wisconsin here and there, but like I wasn't recruited from by Purdue, wasn't recruited by Indiana. A little, I think I got a little bit of interest from Indiana, but it wasn't really anything. Yes, yeah. so, just so like, like talking. I got to, I got to go to like a game and sit behind the bench for free, you know, I got that experience, you know, but they weren't really like recruiting me to come. Yeah. They didn't offer scholarships. So like, I didn't get any offers from any, no Notre Dame, no Purdue, no Indiana. Valpo was recruiting me out of high school. So that's, got they you. Kind of, um, but I was just a, a mid major player. I could have went to that's really crazy. any mid major, but like really didn't get any high major interest. So even even then, you know, I'm the basically I was just getting at, you know, going where you're going where you're going to shine, going where you're going to play, going where like they're going to value you. Um, like you mentioned, sitting behind the bench for free. I I remember I did that at a school. I'm not going to say who it is, but 
I was just like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, these dudes ain't even talking to me. <laughs> they didn't probably even know who I was or why I was there. Me and my mom left there like, okay, well, back to the, back to the drawing board. I, I guess that's not going to happen. And I was, it, man, it's like I was big. It was a lot of my story has always been bigger than what I was within at the time. So mm-hmm. not kind of relating to that, but I remember like, like I was like, I man, I gotta get fresh, you know. I gotta wear. I remember that was like when we were wearing a tall tee. So I remember I had a tall oh, tee yeah. on with a like the the co- most colorful bait bait hoodie with like some patent leather green Air Force Ones, you know. So I probably stood out like a sore thumb. But it's <laughs> but it but it's like kind of how it's played out, you know. And it's 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 added to my journey and just how aligned it's been, you know. So at that game at the time. Um, I believe Coach Ray McCollum was the assistant coach for mm-hmm. Indiana. Ray McCollum, his niece is my wife, Ajaline, and she was there. She was behind the bench right there. And I remember we've seen each other, but we really didn't, like, we didn't know each other. Like, I didn't really know Ray at the time. I didn't know her or her family at the time, her brothers, Jalen and Jarab. But, like, we were both there together, you know. So that like, is insane. You know that she 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 hears me right now, but like that's kind of how it's played out. So like it's, it's it's been special for a long time, bro. You know, it's been special. that is insane, man. We'll we'll come back to that too because I do want to talk about that if you're open to it. Um, for sure. But I want to get into to Michigan Take State. Time. Take time. I got I got time. As long as you got don't got nothing to do, I got all the time. Bet perfect, man. Um, so Michigan State, I mean, obviously you you kill at Valpo, you get two really, really productive years there. Um, you know, and like you said, you made a name for yourself. So you I'm assuming you graduated at some point in there, and then you get like a grad year or you get your red shirt year back, and you're thinking, all right, you know, I I've proved I can play at this level. Do I wanna test the waters? Do I wanna look at what the NBA draft looks like? Um, or, you know, potentially come back to school, stay here, maybe try to level up. Um, initially, or eventually you did end up at Michigan State, but what was that process like? Because I know that's that's kind of another fork in the road where it's like this is a, a life-changing decision. I've seen people make that decision and fuck it up, and, and they go really bad. So talk about what your process was and how you ended up at Michigan State. Definitely, man. Amazing story, man. So I'm gonna give you the whole context, and I, I never, <laughs> I'm, I've never shared this before, so it's it's gonna be cool. So, um, so at finishing my second year of Valpo, uh, I was on track to graduate. I graduated. Um, another crazy little tidbit, like I had at that point, I had went to SIU, Highland, Valpo for two years. So, like. My class lows, my classes were like all over the place. Mm-hmm. I had all the, I had over credits, but like you couldn't really box my class load into a degree, you know. So there's a, there's a, I don't know what you would call it. There's like an opportunity to, if that's the case, there's an opportunity called a, um, a, a specialized major. So with a specialized major. It's like it's for someone like myself who's got all the credits, but, you know, there's not really a, a degree that fits all the cl- classes that you pick. So with that being said, I got to 
go the specialized uh, specialized um, degree route to where I got to name my bachelor's degree myself. Oh, that's dope. <laughs> yeah, so I, so our mindset behind it, like most of the core of my classes were like marketing classes, like sports marketing classes. Uh, but I took like a variety, a wide variety of classes. But like we knew that I, I knew that I wanted wanted to have the word business in my degree, the name of my degree. So although the core classes that I took at Valpo were sports marketing classes, I ended up naming it a sports marketing and business degree. So I have a bachelor's in sports marketing and business. That's dope. So like that's it's a little thing like just thinking big picture and and my my father had got his bachelor's and master's from Purdue and IU. So he kind of was able to guide me through that and like kind of told me like we need to keep that word business in your title of your degree. So that's a cool little cool little story that I've been able to build on as far as my business endeavors, you know. For sure. So, that's dope. So graduated there with the sports marketing and business degree. And I had, you know, I had some options, like you said, you know, I could either come back to Valpo for my fifth year. Um, I could go overseas. You know, I just graduated. I could go overseas and start a career overseas. Um, or I could put my name in the NBA draft. So I ended up going through the process and put my name into the NBA draft because um, you were able to put your name in and take it out one time without it holding it against you. So I'm like, you know, I want to get the feedback from the NBA teams, you know, as far as what they want to see from me at the next level. So that was a no-brainer, you know, put my name in the draft, had to go through the paperwork, you know. I knew I was going to pull my name out before the deadline, but I was able to get the feedback from different people and different teams. Um, so in the midst of taking my name out of the draft, we had the meeting, um, like the end of the year meeting with the coaches. So Homer, Bryce, the athletic director, Mark LaBarbera, uh, my mom, my dad, my sister, and myself, you know, we were all sitting in the office uh, for a meeting, you know, just for them to, you know, kind of assess the year, tell us their perspective, how it went, um, you know, their vision moving forward, um, and just see kind of what we thought, you know, how the year went and, you know, kind of how we felt as a family. Um, so obviously at the time I was in the draft, um, you know, but it was a meeting that was led by Homer and Bryce, you know, so they were going through the options, you know, like, you know, you just graduated, you know, we're proud of you. Congratulations. Um, you know, you have this fifth year, fifth year of eligibility due to medical redshirt in your first year. So, you know, you could, you know, leave your name in the draft and just see what, see what happens, you know, um, whether you get summer league or, you know, I really wasn't positioned to get drafted at the time, but, you know, you can leave your name in and see what happens, you know, it worse, worse come to worse, you know, you go overseas and start your professional career overseas. Um, you know, so they, fin they were, you know, telling me the different options, telling us the different options. And once they finished, you know, telling us those options, um, my dad was like, you know, so, so we're aware that there's another option, you know, and that's, you know, considering Brandon graduated and he has another year of eligibility, there's an option for him to open up his recruitment and go and play anywhere in the country without setting out. And right when he made that <laughs> option, put the option on the table, like, you know, complete shock you know, on their phases, you know, complete, like started turning red, you know, not that they were angry. You know, they might've felt some anger within at the moment, but like, it like, it, it kind of like shook them. It kind of triggered them kind of, you know? Um, so they, 
kind of like we're kind of pleading their case, you know, with, you know, we, I think once we brought it up, they kind of already knew that I was kind of set on that decision. And I'll share with you how that even came about, um, you know, but they kind of asked my mom and sister and I to leave the room and kept my dad in there and kind of just <laughs> talked to him. Yeah, they talked to him, like, to kind of get the, the depth of the the situation from our standpoint, you know. And my dad, very intelligent, you know, very good at articulating himself, you know. So he just kind of broke it down to them, you know, kind of what we were thinking, you know, and the opportunity that was in front of us, you know. So, um, so kind of to backtrack, um, my dad, so um, – I was in the draft, you know, and, and it kind of – so at the time, my dad was working at Purdue. So he was working in the marketing department at Purdue. And at the time, at the end of the season, this is like a few weeks or like a month or so before we were in the midst of making the decision. Um, I grew up – the speech team that I played for was coached by Keenan Barlow's dad, um, and Kelsey obviously was yep. running around with the like he was like the little, <clears throat> little little runt, you know, just running around under us, you know, just happy to be there, you know. So obviously we knew Kelsey, we knew um, Keenan, and we knew their family, you know. So um, at the time, shout like, out to the Barlows, by the way, man. Great, Keenan and Kelsey are my guys, man. I I yeah. fucking love those dudes. Yeah, even their dad, you know, Big Barlow, you know, yep. he's a great, you know, has done a lot of work within the basketball communities that he's been a part of, whether in Indianapolis, in America, or overseas. So definitely shout out to their family. Um, but like I said, after the time, my dad was working at Purdue in the marketing department, and Kelsey was playing for Purdue, you know, and that was at the point in Kelsey's career where, you know, he was going through his growing pains, you know, he was you know, find, finding himself in situations that weren't in his favor, you know. So um, so my dad made a call to the assistant coach at, at Purdue, whose name was Jack Owens. Jack Owens was the assistant coach at SIU that was coming to Kokomo and recruiting me to SIU throughout the whole process. So just like Coach Stevens, Coach Owens was coming to my high school, coming to my practices, you know, pulling me out of class, talking to me, you know, just – going through that process, you know. So fast forward three years later, Coach Owens is the assistant coach at Purdue. So my dad calls Coach Owens, you know, um, you know, just to kind of talk about Kelsey. You know, what's going on with Kelsey? You know, we heard he, you know, he's going through some things. You know, he's not playing. I think he got suspended for a few games. You know, so he called Coach Owens to, you know, see what was going on, you know. So in that conversation, um, you know, they obviously caught – my dad caught him up with where I was at as far as, you know, finishing my second year of Valpo, graduating from Valpo, uh, my name being in the, in the draft, you know, but also having another year of eligibility. And at the time, you know, the fifth year transfer rule had only been taken advantage of like one or two times, you know, and it had only been for like someone to go back closer to home for like a family member that was ill, you know. So it really right. – it wasn't a – it wasn't a, a, a situation, an opportunity that players were taking advantage of. So in that conversation, my dad catching Coach Owens up with my situation, Coach Owens was like, you know, well, you know, Brandon can transfer right away and play anywhere immediately. And, you know, and that was kind of news to us, you know. So my dad, like, like, oh, really? You know, okay. Like, 
let me share this with Brandon and see what he thinks. Takes me back to those other two situations. Right when I found out that was an opportunity, I'm like, oh, I'm gone. You know, yeah. um, like I get to open up my recruitment and I can go anywhere in the country and play immediately after the two years that I had at Valpo. Like, it's a no brainer. You know, I had no second thoughts, no doubt. You know, I didn't question it at all. I had to go through the process to make it official, you know, and had to, you know, send out some letters. I had to, the player to, to take advantage of that rule. You have to choose a graduate program that the university that you graduated from doesn't offer. So that's the loophole to be able to play immediately. So I had to send out a letter. I had to produce a letter myself and send it out to like, you know, 10 or 15 different schools, just random schools. And, you know, tell them that I'm opening up my recruitment for this fifth year of my career. Um, and I'm, I'm eligible to transfer immediately and play right away. So at the time I already heard, like the word had got out, you know, so I had a little bit of interest here and there, you know, so um once it was made official um it was between purdue and michigan state you know uconn kind of came in a little bit here and there i remember they called and they this is the year kimba was leaving so they called i remember the coach like yeah we need someone to come and replace kimba so i'm like you know that's hey so that's crazy. dope yeah that's like looking back i'm like ooh, like that would have been that would have been something serious but um Yo. that's how, how it was supposed to play out but, um, yeah, so it was going back and forth. I'm like, I talked to Coach Painter one day, and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to Purdue. You know, I'm going to go to Purdue. The next day I would talk to Coach Izzo. I'd be like, all right, yeah, maybe it's Michigan State. You know, so it was like <laughs> worth, you know, day after day. Um, and then it came time to visit. You know, I went on a visit to Michigan State. Uh, me, my mom, my dad, my sister, um, you know, they showed us the campus, took us to dinner. Um you know, and I, I felt comfortable, you know, and I had, at that point I had I had a conversation with a couple of the assistant coaches, Coach Stevens, Coach Garland. Um, I even had had a conversation with Draymond, you know, just him kind of telling me what I was getting myself into, becoming a Spartan, you know, what to expect, you know, just, you know, nothing's going to be given. You know, you're a fifth-year player, experienced player, you just graduated, but, like, you're going to have to come in here and earn the role that you want, you know? So they made that clear from the jump, you know, whether it was Izzo or Draymond or the assistant coaches. So I knew that, you know, I, I would have to earn, you know, my role. I would have to earn, you know, whatever I want with this situation. So um, I had no doubts, you know, I had the same feeling in those initial open and gym, open gyms as far as like, like, damn, now this is another level. Like seeing mm -hmm. Brandon Dawson, seeing Keith Applin, seeing AP, seeing, um, you know, all these players and the athleticism and the uh, the skills and the speed, like, I'm like, I had those same thoughts that I had at my JUCO, you know, like, like okay, like, these boys are on another level, like, I'm not sure how I fit in. I don't think I really fit in athletically, you know, even though, like, I probably, that was probably just me putting that pressure on myself, you know, but I definitely was like, you know, this is a different level, you know, and just the the temperament of, uh, of boys, you know, and just boys fighting in the open gyms. And like, like, I'm like, okay, like, you know, this is something different, you know, but like, I'm like, I want all parts of this, you know, I'm yeah. all in, you know, like I'll, I'll list what I want, you know, like I would have been preseason player of the year in the horizon league. You know, I would have been preseason first team, all league, you know, I would have had all the preseason accolades to be the best player in the league, which I was, but I'm like, you know, my mindset was like, 
there's really not much more I can do in the Horizon League, you know. So like, let me bet on myself and 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 take this, take advantage of this amazing opportunity to go and play at the highest level of college basketball for one of the best coaches ever, you know, in one of the best conferences ever, you know, and have, play a schedule against you know the best teams in the world, you know, and to be able to be a Spartan in the classroom as well, you know, to work on my master's degree uh, at Michigan State, you know, to, you know, just continue to grow not only as an athlete and as a student, but as a man, you know, then I'm at a point to where like I'm stepping into manhood, you know, so um, all around, it was just a, a great opportunity. And, you know, one thing I always like to share as far as like the fifth year transfer one thing I always like to share as far as like the tr fifth year transfer rule and just the timing of it. So at that same time, Russell Wilson decided to be a fifth year transfer and transfer into Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. I was a fifth year transfer on the basketball tip and decided to transfer to Michigan state. <clears throat> so myself and Russell Wilson, we were the first examples of, a fifth-year transfer player in basketball and football transferring to a high-level university and being as successful as you could be, you know. And that's before the portal, you know. So really, myself and Russell Wilson, we really started the NCAA portal and where it's at today. That's crazy to think about because you're right. I mean, like, it was always some type of – hardship or you know something like that if people wanted to use that fifth year but nobody had used it to be like i have it like i'm gonna take advantage of it you know what i'm saying like and and i'm gonna level up with it i'm gonna go from yeah. horizon league to the big 10 um yeah. and I, at that point like coach Izzo wasn't known for taking transfers <clears> you know <throat> especially like a fifth year transfer who has one year to play you know but considering where the team was coming from the previous season with um, having to release some players and, you know, having some openings. You know? So it was really like a, a perfect opportunity for them to bring in someone who was experienced, who had produced at a high level, who had developed as a young man at that point, you know, so it was kind of like a, a situation where they trusted me, you know, even though they weren't familiar with me, they trusted me, you know, so even for them to take that chance, for Coach Izzo to take that chance on me, you know, and then to see how the NCAA has evolved since then you know to where you know after that he took some other transfers you know and then like to see the the college culture as it's evolved into where it is today with the portal you know i know there's some pushback on different uh perspectives of the portal and how it's played out you know but you know i'm proud to say that i along with russell in football i'm proud to say that i really began that and, and I was an example of a player who transferred to the highest level. It might have took a loophole, you know, but I took advantage of it. And I really showed the country and showed other universities and opened up their minds to take in fifth-year transfers at a more frequent level, you know. So I'm I'm very proud of that, you know. And, and uh, you know, it's just, it's just a cool part to add to the story. Yeah, and to your point, if you think about it, like during that time, um, there was not a, a whole lot of one and done guys either, you know, like, um, there was definitely one and done guys, but it's not like today. So 
um, a lot of the blue bloods weren't weren't taking one one and done guys at that time either because it was more about development and they're having you know two three four year guys and so if you look at it from that perspective it's almost like the same thing you're a one and done but you're almost um, more of a liability than a than an incoming freshman because you're already developed you've had levels of success um, not in a bad way but you probably have some type of you know ego or or high uh, you know thought of yourself not you but just like in general that that's what the coaches are probably thinking you know so it's like okay I can get a one and done guy who's gonna let me mold him or this fifth year one and done is gonna be potentially a guy that's like almost more set in his way so more difficult on a coach and like I said at that time like neither of those were common at the blue blood high level at that time 2010 11 12 13 that era was like you're seeing a lot of four-year guys so yeah, yeah. um i understand like why that was such a rarity but then when you have two guys do it in the same year in two different sports and have high levels of success then it's like people are going to notice that you know people are people are going to watch that and say okay well you know brandon did it uh, or russell did it and and ironically he's both in the big 10 and uh you know, so the Big Ten is a it's a it's a community in itself. It's a fraternity in itself. So somebody yeah. saw it and they knew a kid that'd be a good candidate for it. It got the train rolling, and that's probably how that turned into the portal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely was a like a, a safe player that, like you said, with my experience, with my how I produced up until that point. You know, just with my development. Um, you know, but I had to have an open mind going into that situation. Right. You know, at that point, I had always been the go-to player on every team I'd been on, you know. So at Michigan State was when I really learned how to play a role, you know, really understood, like, the meaning of different roles on the team, you know. So, you know, I wasn't the player with the ball in my hands. You know, I wasn't even the player that could really dribble much, you know. I just had to do what I did, you know, and that was to guard the best player on the other team and to knock down shots and to – within the offense, pick my spots to attack, you know. So, you know, I had to change my role and, and change my approach, you know, as far as um, just my mindset going into games, you know, and just understanding, like, you know, I can have a great impact on the game and not score a lot of points, you know. So up until right. that point, I like was a scorer, you know, and you score a lot of points, you think you play well. But that's when I started to learn, like, you know, no, you can impact the game in so many other ways. And there were so many situations where I made, like, don't get me wrong, I had big years on the offensive, big games on the offensive side that year, you know, but there were so many moments when I had game-changing plays and game-winning plays, getting a steal, you know, or getting a stop mm -hmm. or getting a rebound, you know, or, or, you know, just accepting whatever role that they have for me, you know. Uh, I started the whole year, you know, except like one game, but, you know, um, about within the last year I was back at back on campus and I was meeting with coach Izzo and like that year although I was a fifth year it was my only year there you know so I kind of was like how he approached me like he was on my ass you know like he really yeah put pressure on me he really held me accountable like he really truly brought the best out of me but like 
it was kind of that thin line that I talked about from my freshman year. He was on the good side of that thin line to where like he was he was kind of on he was really on me like really pressing me, but like he had that level of respect towards me as well to where like you know he would have like I could challenge him as well you know I could come back at him I could not agree with him and like there'd be times like we would be in practice and like it'd be like not only with myself but like it'd be like we're about to damn near fight you know but like we'd be like in in that moment and then like he'd like do his is a fist pump and like fire the whole damn arena up you know so like yeah it's just moments like that to where like you know he was on my ass like he was on my top like he held me so so accountable you know but I was I was prepared for it and like within the last year I went back and we've had conversation and he was like kind of in correlation to how the players are today the young players who are coming up and just how they aren't the most tough-minded you know they are kind of softer to say you know like but he within the last year when we were there and I was spending time with him, it was the first time he really like broke down and told me like, you know, like, man, like I'm proud of you. Like you really handled that year very well. Like, you know, I I was challenging you in ways that you had never challenged, but I think he really understood how built for that moment I was now that he's seen how the players are today, you know? So it like really put in the, really put into perspective like you know it could have went both ways for me you know because like there were freshmen on that team who who weren't built for that pressure who weren't built for that accountability who weren't built for that attention to detail you know and me being a first year there I was in a way a freshman as well you know so like it was cool for him to really like like show me that love and tell me like you know like you were different, you were different. Like you were really ready for this level. Like, you know, you stood up, you had an amazing year, offense, defense, my style of leadership, you know, being immersed with the team, you know, complimenting Draymond, you know, cause I was older than him, you know? So that's a little bro at the same time, you know, <laughs> like, it, it was, I was in a space like to where I was the most experienced player on that team in my own right. And in general, but like, I was able to really like, like, you know, find my way within what was already built, you know, Mm -hmm. and on Draymond, you know, like that was the first team that I was on that really showed me what a true leader was, you know, a person that not only held themselves accountable, but like accountable, but was able to be in a position to hold their teammates accountable and to hold the coaches accountable. And, you know, so that was the first time I really experienced a leader, you know. So going back on my journey from my development from my first year of Apple to my second year, and now getting this experience to really be next to a real leader, it like just allowed me to continue to grow and flourish into the leader that I am today, you know. So um that's one thing I always speak on is just like it's it's I don't think Draymond really believe that he would have the career that he's had since then but it doesn't surprise me at all you know because the leadership that he has in him and how he's rubbed off onto that team onto Steph onto Clay like I can speak firsthand Steph and Clay and that organization they're not the team they're not the players 
they wouldn't have had the careers that they've had if it wasn't for Draymond. Whether that's on the court or off the court, but most importantly, his presence off the court, you know, and just the presence and the energy that he brings out of you and the dog that he brings out of you. So, you know, people say what they want, but like Draymond is the most important part of that organization, probably in that organization organization's history, you know? So, and I feel comfortable saying that because I've been amongst him. I've been on the team with him and I was the 30 next to Draymond before Steph. Ah, I like that. I like that. No, that's amazing, dude. I, it's hard to it's hard to argue against that because man, he just he's he's such an influential person on the court. And I obviously I don't know him off the court, so I can't speak on that, but I can I could definitely see how he could have an impact on on a person, you know, in their in their life or whether it be you know, investing or learning about business or whatever. He just seems like like a He's almost seems like a dad out there. You know what I mean? Like he's like dudes that are older than him be like asking him for advice. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, as he's spoken on, you know, it hasn't, it's a thin line, you know, that he's continued to have to learn and understand himself. So like, I'm sure there's sometimes when it hasn't really went in his favor as we all know, but it's like, you know, you, he still has that respect, you know, Mm -hmm. It's, it's definitely been been great to see his journey and, you know, just to be a part of it, you know, and still have a relationship with him and still be able to lean on him and him be able to lean on me. And, you know, it's 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 been cool, you know, and I, you know, I don't take it for granted, you know, and it's, it's, it's added to my development and my evolution, you know, as a player, as a man, as a business owner, you know, as a leader, you know, so I, you know, I, I soak it all in, you know, and I, you know, appreciate it. Yeah. So you mentioned, um, you know, a couple of things is that that thin line between like disrespect and hard coaching and your experience at SIU, which is more on, on the disrespect into the spectrum. And then you got Izzo, who's known as like one of the hard one of the hard asses in the coaching world. And I'm sure he is a extremely hard coach that demands um, perfection and, you know, he goes about it his way. Um, But obviously like it's about the connection you have with the player and kind of earning the right to be able to coach them hard and, and also recruiting the right type of player that, you know, you can coach in that manner. So I think there's something to be said there. And then just going, going back to, um, you know, kind of like being the first or like a, a trendsetter is like, as you were talking, I started thinking about you kind of opened up the floodgates for Izzo to get into Indiana, man, because then he brought in Gary Harris, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., um, Aaron Henry, who I did some pre-draft work with him when he was coming out, getting ready for the league, three indie guys right there. I'm probably missing a few. Um, and then what I wanted to ask about was – the retreat or event there's some type of training camp or something that you guys all come back for um at michigan state and it's it's basically like all the the spartan pros come back and you know looks like a hell of a weekend really um and it looks like where i'm going with this is it looks like draymond kind of is like the heart of that like he i don't know if he plans it or if that's his event or whatever but um 
if you know what I'm referring to, kind of talk a little bit about what that is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, you know, just to speak on, you know, kind of opening the floodgates to Indiana and as I recruited, um, I actually hosted Gary on his visit, his official <laughs> visit there. So we had a we had a pretty good time. Um, had a great night, you know. So, um, yeah. Uh, Legendary story, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But, um, but that was cool, you know, just because I really wasn't familiar with him. Obviously, he was younger, so I really – I wasn't familiar with him at all, you know, leading up to that. I had, you know, heard that we were recruiting a guy from Indiana, from Indianapolis, you know, so obviously me being an Indiana guy, they kind of put him with me when he came on his visit. Um, so like I said, I had a great time, great visit. Um, next morning, get up for, we had practice like 8 a.m. the next morning. So that was, yeah, that was one of them, one of them rough ones. Ooh, that was, that was one of them rough practices, but um but I was like, shit, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for whatever. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, what you speak on, uh, it's called the Grind Week. We call it the Spartan Dog Grind Week. And I believe it started in 2017 when Draymond and Travis Walton, Travis, who also is a former Spartan, um, they brought us all out. To, the first one was out in the Bay. So we all went out in the Bay. You know, they put us up in the hotels. We had the the strength training and the hoop training throughout the day. Had like the dinners in the evenings. Um, the first one wasn't like a Spartan base. You know, there was like a, a few of us Spartans, you know, Denzel Valentine, um, myself. I'm not even sure if there were any other Spartans that were there um, that were actually playing. But um, Jalen Brown was there, Ian Clark. Um, Noah Vonley. So the first one was more like a, a mixture of people from different places. Um, and then there was like a, I believe we, there was like a year where we didn't have it, um, a year or two. And then like they kind of rebranded it into the Spartan Dog Grind Week to where now the last two years it's been on campus in East Lansing. So just to go back and be able to stay on campus, um, to be right there on a university, you know, where we all spent time at. Um, to have the coach, all the coaches there, all the managers, um, most importantly, all the f players that are still there currently, you know, so they get that family feel of us coming back and, um, you know, just coming back and showing love and taking time out of our schedules to come back. And, you know, it kind of just shows the how much the university means to us, you know, so to get to to know the younger guys, you know, that's always a good moment to go back and get to know them and spend time with them training you know, off the court, hanging out, um, you know, so that's, that's been cool to, to get to know them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely based around Draymond, you know, the, the year before this past year that we had it, I wasn't able to go because I had just went overseas to Serbia. So this past, um, grind week was my first one going to, it's only the second one that we've had on campus, but it was my first time getting to go. Um, you know, so it worked out that, um, there was a home football game that weekend. Draymond was getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, um, and we had the grind week. So it was like a perfect. Oh, that's perfect, man. Got to go to the game. Um, we got to put in a lot of work together, um, you know, and got to go to his ceremony as far as the Hall of Fame induction. Um, you know, had some dinners, got to hang out after that. Um, had a few uh, Lobo-sponsored events. So <laughs> Those are those are cool. So, um, yeah. So it, it's just a great time to to 
you know, come together as Spartans. You know, we have the former older Spartan alumni come back, you know, as far as Mateen Cleaves, uh, Morris Peterson, Steve Smith. Um, you know, a lot of those guys come back and get to spend time with us and spend time with everyone, you know, the coaches, the current players, the managers, you know. So it's just like a collection of Spartans from, from you know, decades ago to – us a decade ago to like the current players you know and then even bringing in they use it as a recruiting weekend as well you know so we have like all the top recruits come so it's just like a combination of you know former spartans current spartans and potentially future spartans coming together so um just to be able to put in work together to be in the facilities you know they've put a lot of money into the facilities over the years so um we have our own locker room there. You know, I still have my own locker there with my name on it. That's an alumni locker room. So that's so know, we cool, all, man. So it's, you know, it's cool just to go back and, you know, even outside of that, just being a Spartan myself, just being a one year Spartan, you know, and just being kind of aligned with Spartan Nation and being a Michigan, Michigan State Spartan throughout the year as far as like the big football games that we have that are nationally televised and watched the big basketball games that are nationally televised and watched and follows the, the, the news stories that come with being a Spartan, you know, whether good or unfortunate, you know, the, the, the recent news, you know, just kind of, it's cool to like have that, that family feel and that connection and that unity being a Spartan, you know, I never really experienced that because I've really always been somewhere new every year, you know, or had a new coach every year to that point, you know. So just to be a part of that, you know, it's kind of like it adds to, you know, some of my, somebody like myself who who has extended themselves in other ways off the court, you know, to my community endeavors, my, my different business moves that I made, the connections that I've made, you know, it's allowed me to continue to grow my brand, you know, because it's like not only am I putting in the work, like, as a Spartan and, you know, the other Spartans who have been Spartans and, you know, how the news flows, it's like, it adds to always kind of being relevant, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, kind of like throughout the years, I got a lot of chances to continue to, you know, speak as a Spartan, to support Spartans, you know, to just be proud of being a Spartan, you know, and to, to leverage that into my favor and into my family's favor and then to, the community of Kokomo's favor and all the communities that we've been a part of since then's favor, you know? So I've always looked at it as a big picture, you know, and continue to grow my Spartan network to where now um, I'm a board member of the Arizona Spartan alumni group in Arizona, which is the, one of the biggest Spartan bases in the country, in the world, you know? So it not only took my career to another level athletically, it's taken my life to, even greater levels, you know, outside of the game, you know, so, you know, I kind of look at it from that perspective and, you know, it just adds to the gratitude, you know, it adds to, you know, the passion that I have as a Spartan, the passion that I have in, in general to, to make a difference, to help people, to bridge different gaps. So, you know, I've leveraged it to my favor and, you know, it kind of goes to the phrase like, you know, use the game, don't let it use you. You know, I've, I've, I've used it to a T, you know, and I've mm -hmm. I've cheated the game, you know, I've I've sacrificed myself at different moments 
in order to keep my soul for the game, you know. So it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't come to surprise like everything that's coming my way these days because I've, I've put in the work, you know. I've, I've done it with a, uh, with a heart, with a big heart, you know. And I've, I've continued to learn, you know, and continue to include people. So, I mean, it's, it's been an amazing journey to this point, you know. And it got even more special and amazing following that year, you know. And even to these days, it's like I'm. Um, I'm, I've positioned myself to, you know, continue to reach greater and greater heights. So, man, I'm just, you know, I'm aware of the journey. I'm very, very self-aware. I'm aware of how each part has played out, you know, and I'm, I'm aware of, you know, the space has kind of catapulted me into, you know, which, which really no one where we're from has this type of journey or this type of experience or this type of network or this type of access, you know, so and, and nobody has put in the grassroot level work that I have put in in Indiana. And nobody has that we know that we're around. So, like, I stand on that and I'm proud of it, you know, because I've I've had to extend myself in different ways, you know, and I've learned so much to where now it's like I have the the highest visions of myself and I've I can go in a lot of different ways, you know, so mm-hmm. I, proud of that you know and you know i try to just be an example for specifically people from where we come from who are the younger generations coming up you know because that's all it's about is the kids and the coming generations you know and and guiding the the players that have came up under me you know from kokomo you know so um you know i, I know the space i'm in you know and i don't i don't take it lightly you know and i you know i'm i know i'm i'm, I'm making our state proud and just trying to stay present and keep moving forward, bro. I know that's 100%. a lot, but kind of just, I'm a, I'm a talker too. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, no, it's all good. I love it. No, it's, it's funny that you say that because, you know, people might know, like we've stayed in touch for maybe two, three years. I've met you in person one time briefly, but it was, um, you know, another pro basketball player that, that, I'm assuming you were kind of like guiding, showing the way. Uh, shout out Taylor Persons. Um, but it's, you know, going back to maybe four or five years ago, maybe even five, yeah, five years ago, Taylor comes in. He's not even lifting. I, I was training at, at the time. But he comes in with, with you and he's like, yo, what's up, man? We just want to stop by and say what's up. I want to introduce you to my boy Brandon. Chop it up. So, such a Taylor thing to do to 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 come to the gym and not lift, but you know, it is what it is. But no, so he he uh, he introduced me to you, and I'm like, you know, I was familiar, obviously. I'm like, damn, that's that's what's up. I I, I peep what was going on. Like, you guys are both from Kokomo. Taylor's following the same trajectory. Just had an amazing college career, about to go pro. Um, you know, still still doing it at a high level out in Poland right now. Um, but jumping back, I just I wanted to shout out Taylor and in, in that interaction that we had because I I didn't want that to go unnoticed. Yeah, bro, that's Taylor. That's a little bro, man. He, um, you know, going back to the Kokomo days, like our parents, our our my mom and his dad worked together at Chrysler for many years. You know, so it kind of speaks to the yep. the cloth cut from kind of how we're built. You know, me and Taylor are truly built the same you know we're cut from the same cloth we've been through similar experience as far as 
our family dynamics, you know, stuff that we've had to experience and, and now reflect on and, and understand at deeper levels, you know, so, you know, we we're really like kind of one in the same, you know, so uh, I remember he when I was at SIU, he was like, like in middle school or elementary, sixth, seventh grade, maybe. And him and his dad came to SIU to Carbondale to watch a game, you know, so like Taylor's really been following me from the jump. And, you know, I'm obviously he's, you know, he's older now and grown up and has a family of his own, you know, but, you know, Taylor is one of the young guys, the only young guy that really showed that love and really appreciated, you know, my journey and the fact that I really tried to pour it into him, you know, he really, and he's one that will speak on, you know, like, like I didn't even really remember or know that he came to SIU, but like just being Taylor and having the heart that he has, like we were hanging out one time and he was like, man, like I remember me and my dad, we came to SIU and watched your game. Like, man, I used to watch you. And like I used to love, you know, coming to your games and this and that, you know, but it just speaks to the, to the heart that he has, you know, the, you know, he's a prideful man, but like he doesn't, he never let pride get in the way of him. You know, he mm -hmm. always he extends that love, you know, he, he shows respect where respect is due, you know? So to see the journey that he's been on, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that he's in his pro career and traveling and experiencing these different countries, especially with his wife, you know, cause I had that experience for my, for the first eight, nine, 10 years of my career, my wife and I got to travel together. So, you know, this little stuff like that, that I've been able to share my perspective and show my perspective to him to where like, he's, I can tell he's, he's taking note, you know, he understands the the meaning of having your lady with you, you know, having your son with you now, immersing yourself in these different cultures, you know, he's, you know, starting to show the off the court stuff, you know, so I'm like, okay, like, he, he's he's not taking this hoop journey as just a hoop journey. Mm -hmm. He's that is more than that, you know. So, man, I'm I'm more proud of Taylor um, than he probably knows. You know, I know he knows because I'm I show love to him. I reach out to him. I catch up with him. I make sure he's doing good. You know, I reach out to his dad and holler at his dad. You know, but you know, definitely want to you know show love to him and you know because we we have a lot in common. You know and 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 we're we're doing what we love you know and where yep. we're from where we're from like where it's 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 rare to to make it out and do what we've done so to see someone approaching it as he is i'm proud of you bro proud of you man love him love him hell of a guy hell, yeah. hell like one of the most charismatic just he's a character like i always tell taylor he needs to have a reality show cuz that that dude is fried like pure uh, entertainment man that's another thing you know just kind of where we come from in kokomo you know not too many people are familiar with it so like <laughs> might look at him and be like where the hell like what the hell where, where this dude come from what do you think what do you what do you got going on like who do you think he is but like we really like have been through it you know yep. and we've come through, like we we built through it and we built from it so like you know, his personality, the personality that we've developed, it's like, you know, we have a very diverse group of friends that we've come up with who have more more, more than not are still there, you know, but like, it's, it's all love, you know, we get love from everyone, you know, and that's, you know, we don't take it for granted, you know, but, 
that's because we, 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 we do go home. We know we do go back to the hood and hang out. You know, we do show that we're still, you know, just young mo boys who, who happen to make it out, happen to do what we love at a high level, you know? So it's still that, you know, people can still touch us, you know, and, and, and they know that they can reach out to us and, and we'll be there for them. So, I mean, I'm, I'm very proud of Taylor, man. And, you know, we, we, we beat the odds, you know, we're, we're mm-hmm. true test beating the odds and, you know, continuing to grow and continuing to evolve and, you know, just being, being family men and having the hearts that we have. Absolutely, man. Shout out Taylor, the fucking legend. Um, want to go back to, um, we, we, we got a, we got a never ending one-on-one game going and I'm, I'm beating him just to put oh, it out shit. There. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna make sure I, I let him know that I know that. <laughs> going back to your Michigan State, um, uh, just you know, end of your career there. Um, you end up highly successful. You know, I think you're top three in pretty much every stat category that year. Um, playing amongst future draft picks and and ev- other overseas pros. Um, so you do your thing. I think you guys go in number one seed overall. Make it deep in the tourney, Elite Eight or Sweet Sixteen. Some, and, you know, it all comes to an end sometime. Um, ultimately, college ball ends, and then you're right back to to you know what's that next step? So you're you're at another crossroad in the journey, and uh, ultimately that led you to an overseas uh, successful, still ongoing professional career. I think you've played what. 10 plus 11 years now, or, or maybe even more and probably just as many countries. Um, mm-hmm. obviously we don't have to go in all the stops that you've been on. Um, but man, you're having a, you're having a hell of a career. You're, you've played for over a decade getting paid for it. You've seen the world, um, living the dream. Like you said, you came from freaking Kokomo to Australia right now where you're recording this, it's uh, almost 9 p.m. here, coming up on probably noon there for you. It's like, we're in Australia, bro. Like, how did that happen? It's like, what what has your journey um, been like, man? Like, how cool has it been to live out this dream and play high-level basketball over all over the world and uh, just do what you love for a living? Sure, man. So, so following, following the Michigan State year um, – First off, I got into a little bit of trouble, you know, so um, not to go into that story, you know, but I was accused of something and, you know, so I lost all my NBA workouts, you know, so I only had like two NBA workouts, um, you know, all the, the, like the charges got dropped, you know, because it was lies, you know, but that was something that, you know, was the beginning of my professional career, you know, mm. and it happened to begin with, you know, getting arrested and getting in trouble. It was built on lies, so legally at all, I really didn't have to face anything or nothing happened. But, you know, just as far as having that on your name and on your brand at that point in your career as you just came out of a very successful year at Michigan State, like that was national news, you know, like Dick Vitale tweeted about it, you know, specifically. So that was kind of how my professional career started, you know. So I lost all my NBA workouts. I had, like, the only one I actually got to go to was for the Bucks. 
And then I had like a few teams that came in and um, watched me in Chicago. So when I finished at Michigan State, um, I was only in online classes. So I was already, you know, had already been talking with Izzo and them about my plans. So, um, you know, so I was really just hooping that year, you know, just had a couple online classes, taking the lightest load. But um, so I, I had already talked to Izzo and them and told them, you know, I had signed with an agency that was based in Chicago. So I'm like, you know, when we lose in the Sweet 16, we ended up losing in the Sweet 16. So they already knew, like, when we lost, like, I was going straight to Chicago. I wasn't going to stay there for the rest of the school year because, you know, there really was no point to, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went to Chicago. I was there with my agent, um, you know, put me in a house, had the chef, had the trainers, you know, had that full experience. So I was very, very comfortable um and then like a few weeks before the workout started that's when the incident happened so like I said lost the workouts had a couple workouts so I'm like you know it's the only option for me is to really go overseas you know I didn't really have any summer league you know I was uh you know things weren't in my favor so to say at that point you know so again you know even it kind of speaks to just how I move and how I'm built, you know, following that incident, regardless of what happened or what didn't happen, I learned from it. You know, I was able to take away from the situation and the very next day I didn't miss a beat. I was back in the gym with my trainers and didn't miss a day moving forward, you know? So like I've been, I've had to experience a lot throughout my journey, but like I've always been able to, persevere relatively easy you know very easy you know so and and really like to leave stuff in the past you know like because I was like okay this happened let me just move forward okay I'm not the 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 trajectory might have changed but like again it just go back to like I've never really had expectations you know I've never felt entitled to anything you know so I've always just been like happy to be here you know still to this day you know (laughs) grateful you know so I'm like okay I went through this experience you know was even going through other experiences off the court you know as far as family as far as um like man like I've been through so much bro like my hometown powers that be trying to put me in situations to run me out of the city so I've been through so much bro but like I've always been able to like that's why I know my purpose and calling was always has always been greater, you know, because first off, I've always been able to persevere and move forward and stay in the moment and not really like dwell on anything that's happening or anything that I'm within, you know? So I'm like, okay, I got to go overseas. Um, you know, let me just, I've been over there to Europe a couple years ago. So I got a little experience of what's to come, you know, but I've never lived over there, you know? So, um, I signed my first contract to play for the top team in Macedonia um very good contract you know good money good leagues um good situation um at the time I had just reconnected with then my ex-girlfriend because me and Ajaline we broke up for a whole year while I was at Michigan State so no contact no nothing so we kind of reconnected fell back into love right before I signed this contract and then we were able to just start our journey overseas together so like it kind of like, like I said, it kind of like my journey's so been so aligned and so meaningful and so like in harmony, you know, with a greater purpose. It's like, 
you know, okay, it's time to go overseas. Wherever I go, I'm taking my girl with me. At the time, that was my girlfriend. So I'm like, that was always my mindset. Like, I'm not going anywhere unless I take my girlfriend with me, unless I take my fiance with me, unless I bring my wife with me. Like, that was just a, uh, that was just what it was, you know? So definitely proud for standing up and, and having that perspective at the time, you know, because we went on the journey around the world and had a very, very fulfilled life. So I'm at a point where like, okay, it's time to go overseas. I go to Macedonia. Uh, at the time, my girlfriend, Ajeline, she hadn't came yet. I was going to go over there and get established the first few weeks. So like two weeks in, after our training camp, we went away for like a week of training camp. We have like two days off. Um, Following the training camp, after the first practice back, I'm walking out the gym to go to um, go to go home to relax for the day till the next practice. The coach pulls me to the side and tells me like, "We're gonna release you. We're looking for more of a pure point guard, um, you know. So we're gonna release you from your contract. We're gonna buy you out of your contract. You'll get this money, you know. But you know, you have to see what's next. Talk to your agent, you know. So I got a dose of I got a dose of the business, which I'm I'm grateful for. I got a dose of the business immediately, you know, so that was able to change my perspective and my approach to the business of overseas basketball and professional basketball in general. So from that point forward, like I kind of just, I'm like, okay, like there's a part of this that I can't control no matter what I do. So like, let me understand that and accept that. And let me add that to my perspective as I make decisions moving forward. So from that point, like, I've just been able to flow forward. You know, I went to Hungary after that. Ajeline joined me there. So we spent 10 months in Hungary to start my career, which was the longest period I've ever been there. Won the cup championship, won the National Hungarian League championship, got finals MVP, you know, and then was able to go home for my first summer, you know, with some money, you know. So mm-hmm. um, so had... I'm grateful to get that first experience of the business, even though I got released. Like, my mindset again, bro, like, I'm so, I'm in such a flow state. Like, my first mindset after that was like, okay, like, I'm not going to go to where my first mindset was because I'm not ready to share that yet. But I'm like, okay, like, let me just keep it moving, you know? So we find ourselves in Hungary, have a great year, win the championships, uh, finals MVP, go back home, you know, and then, able to move forward into my career, you know? So my rookie year really set me up for my whole career to where, like, I produced at a high level. I was, like, top five in the league in scoring. Um, I won two championships my rookie year, finals MVP, you know? So that was, like, the foundation of my career to where, you know, I haven't had to, like, negotiate no contracts. I never had to really, like – I never felt the feeling of, you know – damn, I don't know what's next. You know, I don't know where I'm going next. I might not have known what was next at the time, but I'm like, I'm not really worried about it. You know, like yeah. something's going something's gonna to be brought to me, you know, so I, I, I'm i grateful to not really have had that pressure on me. You know, that combined, just my mindset combined with, you know, when I was a rookie on the court, I was a rookie in business. So I started my own nonprofit. I started my own LLC. I started managing and hosting my own events, you know, so even in those moments when I didn't know what was next, like I always was able to completely turn a switch and completely pivot into like, okay, I got to plan these events, you know, I got to, what, what, 
what funds or what families or what charities can I raise some money for to try to make a difference, you know? So I've always been able to, I've always been solid in my career to know, like, I'm going to get a job. I've been playing well. Even after that, I produced everywhere. I've won more championships. So definitely grateful for that, you know, to have a solid foundation, you know, and then even in those off seasons, you know, just having so much going on to where I was able to put my mind and my focus on other things, you know, and, and what my purpose and passion truly is, is, you know, helping people and, and making a difference and bridging gaps and connecting people for different opportunities. So, um, you know, grateful my career started with winning and started with producing at a high level and, you know, just was able to open myself in, in, in other ways, you know, just to keep that bigger perspective. Yeah, man, that's perfect. And like you said, you've, you've played everywhere. You've Macedonia, Hungary, um, Germany, G League stops even. Um, so over the course of the last decade or so, you probably have learned a lot about yourself, learned a lot about the game of basketball. Um, and ultimately now you're, you're doing that in your, in your current area, which is in Australia. So, um, within that time, you had another strike of adversity, another strike of tragedy and kind of going with the whole theme of this, you know, this will be your first season without your wife there. Um, can you talk about just, you know, first of all, condolences for your loss and, uh, you know, just have so much respect for how you've handled that and just seeing you talk about it and seeing you, um, just embrace that like mind blowing strength. Like I, I can't even tell you how amazing that is, you know, to, to hear you speak about you guys' relationship and now with her not here anymore, um, just being here in spirit and, and how that's impacted you, man, that's, that's so powerful. That's, that's, it's just mind blowing how you're navigating this. Um, so hats off to you. But like I said, this will be your, your first season without her. Um, and you're, you're figuring things out. Obviously you've had her, um, along this journey with you throughout your career. And, and now you're in Australia about to start another season in the NBL one. And not only life has changed, but now part of your routine has changed. Talk about just, where you're at now, uh, mentally, emotionally, and how you plan to continue to move forward and, and strive for, you know, the greatness that you continue to reach. First off, I appreciate it, bro. Appreciate the condolences. Um, appreciate that perspective. You know, it's, it's always good to be confirmed that, you know, what I'm embracing from this is touching people's lives. And, you know, just so just to hear that, you know, thank you for that. You know, and I get so many people throughout the weeks that, you know, reach out and, and express, you know, um, just the strength that I've shown and, you know, the courage to really embrace the situation and, and, and perceive it as something which it is. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than her. It's bigger than us, you know. So, um, you know, like I said before and I've spoken on before, you know, I'm very grateful that we've got to experience the journey that we have. Um, you know, she was in her purpose doing what she loves as a nurse and, um, she had a cleaning company. 
Um, so she was doing what she loved and really growing and evolving as a woman. Um, I was on a similar journey within myself, you know, as far as growing as an athlete, growing as a business owner, similar to her, you know. So we were on a journey of purpose together, you know, which um, brought a lot of meaning, you know, brought a lot of purpose. Um, you know, we really immersed ourselves into that, you know, so um, every day, every moment, every year, every season, like we really took steps and grew as individuals and as one, you know, so um, just to speak on us being able to travel the world, be out of sight of America, kind of be in our own bubble for so many years, um, to be able to experience different cultures, meet different people, um, just learn so much about the different ways of life and, you know, just meet so many people overseas and friends that we still have to this day. Um, you know, we just really, I'm just thankful that we approached the journey like we did, you know, like, uh, we're very curious people. Um, we're, we're very social, you know, we love people. Um, you know, so, you know, I'm just grateful that we have traveled, you know, we, we've met a lot of people, you know, we've touched a lot of people. She's touched so many people throughout our travels and, you know, throughout her journey, even her people that she was connected to here in America or there in America. So, um, just to be on such a purpose and meaningful journey, you know, doing what we love, doing what we're passionate about, um, you know, and then just combining that with our, um, our efforts to serve others, you know, just to uh, be outside of ourselves and, and really project our heart that we have on others in different ways, you know, whether it's, um, there's so many people that like reach out to us, you know, whether it's intentionally or not, like that reached out to us, you know, just for some strength, you know, just for some confirmation, you know, just for our energy, you know, there's been so many people throughout the years that have leaned on us for that, you know, and we've always leaned right back into it, you know, and never, um, it's never gotten old to us. Like we never took it for granted. Like every one of those engagements we leaned into with our heart, you know, and, and show people that we cared for them and that we would listen to them and that we would be here for them, you know, in a variety of different ways. So, um, just being, doing what we love, um, serving other people, you know, partnering with different organizations, running different fundraisers. Um, um, so, so doing what we love, doing what we're passionate about, being of service and, you know, just most importantly, being on the journey of self-understanding that we were on earlier than we even realized, you know, through our experience, you know, we really have learned, we've learned everything that we're meant to learn within life. We learned it through experience. And then we went back once our travels settled down, then we went back and kind of like, just confirmed everything, you know? So we were on like a journey of, we experienced it all. We immersed ourselves to a point that we learned all the lessons that we needed to learn, you know? So then upon our reflection, it allowed us to really understand the space that we were in and really go even deeper within to ourselves, deeper within to our families, you know, and really understand ourselves at the deepest level, you know? So, when you're on that type of journey, you know, 
um, of, of emotional development, of spiritual understanding and development. You know, when you're really on a, a organic, pure, genuine journey of such, you're able to embrace every single thing that comes and not embrace it with your ego. You're able to embrace it just as this is a part of what we're meant to experience in this realm when it comes to that divine spirit, that creator that we all speak on or speak towards or seek towards or the source or God or, you know, the universe, you know, whatever you want to call it. When you've really truly been on a such a journey that's been immersed mostly within nature, you know, that's really what the source comes down to is nature, you know, and nature, we've always been in water and been hiking and been in forests and, and, and just really truly cherished laying in the grass, you know, having picnics on top of mountains, you know, going out on boats, being in the water. Uh, we really were one with nature, you know, so that really is what solidified our connection to that divine spirit. So when you're on such a journey, when you're, when an experience like this comes your way, you're prepared for it. You know, emotionally, you're prepared for it. Spiritually, you're prepared for it, you know, so you never know what it's like when you experience it. But like, I was fully prepared for this. You know, she was in a space to where she was fully prepared for that. She had been purpose driven. She had touched lives. She had fulfilled her duty in this realm. So, yeah, am I not going to be able to spend time physically with her? Are we not going to be able to, like, have fun anymore? You know, is she not going to be able to physically experience the visions that we had together, that we had developed, and that we had daydreamed about together? Yeah, she not, she's not going to be able to experience those physically, but, you know, like, we were prepared for this. You know, we were prepared for it. It's been a new journey since then as far as understanding, like, the process of, you know, now being a, a, a widower, you know, the process of, you know, um, all the responsibility being on me, you know, because we had a partnership to where, like, we complimented each other in every way, you know. So, like, it's a process for me moving forward and, you know, finding myself in this space. You know, like I said, I was prepared for this, but, you know, there's going to be a time when, I'm meant to receive another spirit similar to, similar to hers, you know? So just little stuff like that, that we were fully prepared for, you know? So like, I know it's been good for me to, to be able to stand on this, you know, because what I'm learning, like what we're taught growing up when it comes to physical death and what we're conditioned to believe. And really it comes down to the fear that's instilled in us, you know, there's a lot of fear that that's, that's really based in fear, you know, and like, we haven't never really operated in fear. But like, when you understand, like, like, damn, this is a perspective that really nobody has. So like, now I'm like, damn, like, 
this was a part of our destiny. And now I'm able to share and guide people, men and women and couples and husbands and wives and younger generations. Now I'm able to share to them and guide them in the ultimate ways of life, you know, and of death, you know, so I've embraced it all. She wouldn't expect anything else. I got complete comfort moving forward, however I feel to move forward. So like I'm in an amazing space. I'm able to experience her spiritually, even kind of physically in a way every day. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of special to be in this space and, you know, I'm just leaning into it and, you know, we've always been, the life that we've lived has always allowed us to stay present and stay in the now, which ultimately that's what it comes down to for all of us. But this has even taken me to another level of, of presence and of vividness and of poise and of discipline, you know? So, I mean, this is truly a part of what I was meant to experience. She was meant to experience and the people around us that we were meant to experience as well, you know? So, I mean, I have a different level of understanding, which I'm proud of, which I stand on, which I don't expect people to understand, which I've had to protect myself from other people's perceptions of this, you know, to where now I'm, I'm able to like accept death perceptions of death. That's based on fear. You know, so like, this is all new to me. It's gave me the ultimate confirmations. I've learned more through it, you know, and, and ultimately, you know, I've, I've became more poised and, and more still and more at ease. And, you know, so I'm just continuing to pour in myself and, you know, just continue on the journey that, that we've, we've built together and, you know, that I'm going to take to the next levels. Man, amazing, amazing perspective, bro. It's like, like I said, it, it's crazy because like you said, yeah, it's not, a, it's not a common outlook. Um, if you lose a spouse or, you know, a loved one, um, to physical death. Right. And I like the way that you put that physical death, because I think there's still a lot of, um, you know, other, other ways to experience someone emotionally and spiritually, um, and, you know, just having dealt with death of, of friends, loved ones, myself, um, mm. my wife's, my wife's dad, um, we've, we've done some, some work together where, you know, we've actually went and, and seen, um, I don't, I don't know what the professional word is, but basically like a, a shrink, I guess, if you will, um, or a medium, a medium, that's the word. I, th- I think that's more professional and respectful, but see, you know, just in, and learned, the different ways to connect with, with outside spirits and mm-hmm. learn the different ways to welcome them. And like, it, like we went for, for my wife, right? She lost her dad when we first started dating around like 19, 20, um, back in college. And, you know, it, it's all, it's a, it's a tough thing, right? So you, you gotta, you're in college, you gotta kind of figure out life and then you got this to deal with. So anyway, uh, we started like actively working on, you know, just different ways to go about the process. So we, we go and see a medium 
and I'm I'm there for support, right? Like I'm just there for her. It's it's about her. It's about her connecting with her dad, and and we did. And I don't know if, if listeners uh, like believe in that type of thing or whatever. But it, if you have lost someone, and uh, or know somebody that has, I would highly suggest doing this because it was insane, like amazing experience. So we go well, there. I've kind of learned is when you have a spiritual connection and spiritual bond with someone, it could, it's not based on religion at all. It could be the religion could be a, a guide towards that, but a spiritual connection really isn't based on that. It's so mm-hmm. much more than that. So the spiritual connections that I've had with people such as, you don't even have to necessarily know someone to have a spiritual connection with them. Right. I had a connection with Kobe, just the, the impact that Kobe had on my life growing up and, and how he guided me, you know, I had a spiritual connection with Adrian Payne, you know, so those were like steps towards this experience to where like I've had a, a, a spiritual connection with my spouse, with someone that I spent, years with who I've experienced everything with. So my encouragement to people would be to those relationships that matter to the most develop. You got to spend a lot of time and uh, intentional time and, and really immerse yourself into them, you know, and, and try to develop a spiritual connection. And when you develop that, it extends way beyond this realm, you know, and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so much I could speak on, but, you know, you're gonna have to read about that in my book one day, but, um, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it's just, a you gotta have, you gotta cherish those relationships, spend time, genuine peer time together and, you know, just, just figure out what's best for you and your relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a, a significant other, whether it's a wife, you know, so it's, it's, you know, having a spiritual connection, like I said, I believe a lot of people feel like that's based on ideologies from around the world. But those are mediums, but it's so much more than that, you know. So when you have that, you know, you, you, you're able to experience a, a lot different a lot of different ways you're allowed to experience them individuals who aren't necessarily here no more, but it comes mm-hmm. to that spirit connection. Yeah, no, it was, it was crazy, man. It was a great, it was a great experience. Helped her help, help me. Like even to this day, like identifying different, um, just signs, you know what I mean? And, and feelings and energy. And that's what it was really about. And I, I think like people, misconstrue i mean there's probably tv shows that that don't fully show what really goes on but man it was it was just really cool uh because i ended up being there for support ended up getting help like she's like you know the there's more energy here um for more than just Catherine. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm looking around like, hold on, whoa, I'm the only other person in this room <laughs> who's yeah, trying yeah. to talk to me. And so, no, it was, it was like, it wasn't like the kind of the wizard wizardry that, that people think it's like the energy, the vibes, the, the connection, like just cool, man. Like, and, and you learn to feel it and you learn to like 
um, like like you mentioned, like earlier in the in the podcast, uh, you was like, you know, my wife can she's hearing me right now or something like like you felt something, you know what I mean? And like that, dude, I'm telling you, once you experience that, like I feel it every week with with different people because I know what signs are there and I know what feelings come into me. And it's like, oh, you know, okay. Like, I, and sometimes it's other people that do something. Like my kids will do something that I'm like, that's my, that's my grandma. You know what I mean? Like that's, she was telling me that Mason, my son wasn't telling me that it was, it was my grandmother speaking through him. So, um, no, just sure. cool, man. Right. You're right, man. It's, you know, it's, you have to have a, a open mindedness, you know, a lot of people mm-hmm. are minded, you know, because, you know, a lot of history and spiritual history, you know, we just weren't taught, you know, our parents weren't mm-hmm. taught, our our grandparents weren't taught, you know. So when you really gain that understanding for yourself and have an open mindedness to yourself, you know, you're able to perceive life, death, other people, engagements with other people, their projections, what they were meant to bring to you how they align with you and just the synchronicities that come with that type of journey journey. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm protective. I'm, I'm an open book and I like to share and I know this is meant for me to share, but at the same time, I'm protective of myself as well to where, you know, there's some things that you know aren't meant to necessarily share right now, but it's, it's special, bro. It's, it's special. And, and, you know, you just got to, it all come down to love and your heart, you know, and just in your breath, being present. That's what it all comes down to. Hundred percent, man. Nature. Really, really uh, amazing story. Like just amazing story, amazing perspective. Once again, you know, um, so sure. much respect for for how you've you've handled it, embraced it, how you're moving forward. Um, you know, I know, I know life will never be the same, but it's the way that you're, um, leading by example to other people that may be going through similar things. Like I can't, I can't even tell you how, just how impressive and, and how, res- how much respect I have for this. So appreciate you talking about it, you know, on a freaking basketball podcast with me too. No, I love, I mean, I, I, I understand. I realized early that I've been sharing for a long time and didn't really understand the impact and the development that comes from sharing. So, you know, I'm someone who has been sharing for a long time. I've been sharing my story for a long time. I've been early on. I was sharing some. Now I share my perspective, but early on I would share some opinions, but you know, I don't really get into the opinions, but now my perspective is so sturdy that I'm able to share that, you know, and then I really took a level of understanding the importance of sharing through my mother who is in her recovery journey. So she's a former addict and going to meetings with her and understanding that sharing is the base of NA and AA and those recovery groups. So then I'm like, Oh, like, absolutely. Are you really like gain yo? your power is by sharing your story. So now I'm like, I'm just ready to give it all and, you know, keep flowing, bro. So 
I understand the importance of sharing and I would encourage anybody like, you know, it might, for me, it's been easy for me to share because early on I had my parents who listened to me, who let me express myself, who let me cry during basketball games, who let me sit at the table frustrated when I couldn't figure out my homework or I didn't want to eat this food. And then I go on to have coaches who I'm just naturally open to, you know, I'm open to share my family's life with coach Homer and, Coach Izzo, even to this day, you know, so like I've always kind of, and I and don't get me wrong, like I've I've opened up and shared, and it's been taken advantage of, you know, and it hasn't been appreciated, and it hasn't been respected, and it has been perceived and judged and critiqued, you know. So it's both sides that come with it, but you know, I would encourage people to always lean on sharing more, you know, and then understanding how to tone it back, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'm, this is just the beginning of me sharing, and, and my vision is to share at the highest of levels, you know. So, you know, like I said before, you know, I kind of commented on before we began, um, you know, you sent me the topics that we would be talking about. And, you know, I've had a couple instances before where, you know, the host sent me kind of what we, what we would be talking about. And my perspective on that is like, you know, I put it. my foundation of my life is putting in day by day. My foundation is putting in the work for myself physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually to where I have increased levels of poise, increased levels of composure. I'm on a learning journey. Like every day I'm, I'm learning and intaking information to where like I'm becoming more and more informed and, you know, if I'm not, I'm very comfortable with asking questions and, and telling that I don't know what's going on. Fill me in with that, you know. So for me, like, my perspective, I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to look at what he's going to talk about, you know, because <laughs> this is a, a step for me in my growth, in my evolution to to be on the spot, to speak from the heart, to speak off the top, you know, because I know one day I'm going to be speaking at higher levels off the top and have to answer questions. So, like, this is another step towards my growth. So you appreciate me. Like I appreciate you bringing me on and allowing me to share. Cause you know, this is a big step, you know, and you know, now I'm continuing to open up more and more. So, uh, you know, this is a great, this is a great, great conversation. Dude. I love it, man. I, I love it. And, and not even, not even to, um, you know, bring it back to basketball, but I'm, I'm so excited to see, how this impacts your game. And I know that's that's not the most important thing right now um, that you have going on, but like you mentioned, the the levels of poise that you have, the level of perspective you have now, the higher uh, connection to your spiritual side, like um, I can't wait to see just how, and I already have seen some of it because, you know, with the TBT, I think you go out there very, very shortly after um, your wife passes and you go out there and you win the three-point contest for the TBT. And it's like, damn, like that on her birthday, like she's guiding those, those, those shots into the basket. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I mean, you can shoot, bro. Don't get me wrong, but that's, that is amazing stuff, bro. They, they weren't even good shots. Like they didn't even come off right. Like they all felt like I was gonna miss. But like I'm like, damn, they just keep going in. Like 
it's truly, it's truly, um, man, bro. I just, I love it. I love it. Like, uh, hearing you talk about it and hearing how, you know, I think you are, you are making it look and sound way easier than it is. So I want to, I want to put that out there that, you know, the level of poise and the level of, um, just composure and self-awareness that you have, you know, I, I think a lot of people may not have that. And maybe that comes from your, your previous experiences, but you know, the way that you ha- carry yourself throughout this process is just, man, it's like the, the, um, the Holy grail of like, watch Brandon, you know what I mean? Watch Brandon. He'll get you through a tough situation. Yeah, it, it, I appreciate that, bro. That, that means a lot, you know, but um, it, you're right, bro. It, you're right. You know, through my experiences, through the journey we've lived, the journey I've lived, the 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 depths and the heights that I've went within myself, she's went within herself, we went within each other, you know, and now understanding our families, our lineage more and more, um, you know, it's... it's I, I, I know that I'm here for a, a, a very, very big reason that, you know, it's not even meant to be understood. You know, I don't even try to understand it. I just, you know, try to stay present and try to continue learning and continuing to be here for people as I can, you know. But, you know, I'm very aware of the journey I've lived and uh, um, I stand on it. You know, I'm proud of it, you know, and now I'm just continuing to learn how to articulate it in the right ways and and feel and, and continue to have people comfortable you know because you know I've kind of been that guy throughout the years that you know my my light's been shining for a long time before I even really truly understand it and not everybody's built for that you know so I've yep. I've I've had that that's been a big part of my journey so like once you get confirmed at such high levels, it's like, now you just lean into it, you know? So it's like, I don't even care how you take it. It's like, I'm going to just stand on who I am. You know, if you take it the wrong way, you know, you're, you should try to maybe dive into that and understand where that comes from. And maybe that'll help you, you know? So it's like, I, I, I understand that even, I just got to keep shining, bro. That's kind of what Yeah. No, I was going to say, man, keep, but I've always been humble, you know, I've always been a people's person and I've always like been there for people and like never been arrogant or none of that. You know, it's just like when it's in you, you just got to you just got to flow with it, you know. And, you know, I didn't really always grasp what it was, but, you know, I've, I've always known and I've always like like kind of been able to persevere even through those moments. But now it's like I just got to shine as bright as I can and continue to learn and and be able to articulate it and share it at different levels in different ways. So everybody understands it. Yep. Uh, keep, keep making people uncomfortable, man. Cause that's how you, that's how you create change. And, and, you know, I think the, the biggest learning points for me in my life is when somebody has made me feel uncomfortable to where I have to ask myself like, huh, all right, let me, let me see it their way. And, uh, and then you, you, take the bias out, you take emotion out, you just listen to somebody else's perspective 
and you, you can approach it and say, okay, yeah, that, that is a good idea or a bad idea, whatever, objectively. So yeah, keep, keep doing your thing, man. Keep making people uncomfortable. And, uh, if, well, maybe not uncomfortable if, if they are. Yeah. I feel like, it's know, like yeah, I'm so, I'm, I'm so far removed from that. It's like, yeah. Now it's to the point where it's like, you just got to respect it. And you got to, you might, might have just got left where you was at, you know? So like, <laughs> that's just, that's just kind of what it what it is, you know? But yeah, it's, 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 it's cool, man. It's, it's, I'm just, just happy and grateful and, you know, just trying to stay within bliss. Yep. So, um, before I let you get out of here, I got two more things for you. Um, want to talk about just this upcoming season. I know you, you know, it's kind of what led to this convo. It'll be your, your, uh, your first time in Australia. Um, first time out there in, along this new journey. What are you looking forward to the most along this process? Any expectations? Uh, NBL one is a phenomenal league. I'm excited to, I'm excited to tap in cause I got some guys over there too. So I can't wait to watch you out there, man. Yeah, for sure, man. So, um, there's a long story about how I arrived here, but I'll share that another day. Um, but, you know, just to be here and have the opportunity to continue my career, um, this will be my 11th season. So, you know, following the countries I've been to, the leagues I've played in, you know, just the whole experience that I've had, um, you know, in the last two or three years, you know, because the last two or three years, I haven't really played a lot of basketball. So in 2019, we were in Morocco, and I only played like 15 games in seven months, and those were spread out into different series. So mm -hmm. didn't play a lot of games there. Um, and then following that year, um, went to Argentina. I was there for two weeks, and the pandemic hit, and I got stuck there for three months. And then got back from Argentina like, like end of June, early July, and, you know, so that, that next season, which was like the pandemic season, I just completely fell back. I just like wasn't, wasn't trying to play, didn't want to play. Had some opportunities, but I'm like, it's, you know, I'm, I've always just moved kind of how I felt I wanted to move, you know, so it just wasn't time to play right then. So, um, so yeah, so I got there in Argentina for two weeks, played two games, got stuck for three months, got back from there. Um, and then like, that pandemic season, um, like March, following that season, I tore my hamstring. So the beginning of 2021, I tore my hamstring. And then two weeks later, I get an offer from Serbia. So I'm like, okay, I got a torn hamstring. Like, let me sign this contract. I'm not going to tell the agent. I'm not going to tell the team. <laughs> I got like three or four months to work with. So like, let me just pour into my body and just get as healthy as I can. You know, and I got as healthy as I could. I couldn't really get on the court, but like, I made it through the training camp. And then after the training camp, I had a setback in my hamstring, which was some scar tissue, which after a week, it helped it. You know, it felt better. And then I had a strain in my other hamstring. So, like, my body just wasn't quite ready. So I had to come back for last season and really just been rehabbing since, you know, November, what, November 2021. Mm -hmm. So, like, I've been putting in. But, like, even through those, those uh, experiences, like, my main focus in my work ethic has continued to grow. So like I've been putting in my best work to this day, to this week, like I've been putting in my best work. So I've gotten 
even stronger from that injury. I've gotten even more explosive from that injury. My game has gotten better in this time period, you know, to where like I haven't even I haven't even played as a professional in my prime yet. The, the, That's the crazy. Glimpse of it was the TBT and the programs that I played in this past summer, which I played at a high level, but like I really haven't played in my career in my prime yet. So I'm more excited than ever. Like I'm in practices and I'm like I'm I'm like doing stuff and I'm like it's damn near like kind of out of body to where like I'm watching my damn self, you know. I'm like, <laughs> you know, like like damn, I got stronger, like I move faster, like I'm more. I'm more composed, like my IQ is higher, like I'm just faster and quicker and more shifty, you know, and so like I'm about to go crazy, like and just really like begin the second half of my career. So, I mean, I'm excited, you know, my love is greater than ever for the game. So, um, man, I'm, I'm in, a, in, a, in a great space. Love it, man. I love to hear it. I can't wait to see. How, how the season goes and, and how your journey continues to go. Because uh, thus far, it's been it's been amazing so far, and I'm sure it's going to continue to have the waves that it has, and you're going to keep riding those waves, man. So uh, last thing I want to do is put you on the hot seat, which is just uh, seven to ten random questions, rapid fire. You can You can just do whatever comes to mind first for your yeah. answers. I'm ready. Let's All right. Go. So, who is the best teammate you've ever had? Best teammate I've ever had. I mean, I think it has to be Draymond as far as what he's went on to do. You know, he's first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, he's all-star, defensive player of the year, four-time champion, gold medalist. You know, so probably Draymond. Um, yeah, I'll go with him. That's solid answer. Can't go wrong with that. Um. All right, so you got to pick one f- player from each era, your favorite, not the best, but your favorite from the 90s to 2000, 2000 to 2010, and then 2010 until today's game. So, favorite player. I was born in 89, so I actually got to watch Jordan. You know, I got to watch his seasons. I got to watch him win championships, and I was, like, aware. You know, I remember I would be in front of the TV – keeping score like on a notepad watching Jordan play (laughs) so Jordan was my first ever favorite player um and then so that would be like the 90s um 2000s definitely Kobe like my all-time favorite is Kobe uh but even before that you know like I was like T-Mac fan Mm -hmm. Jason fan Iverson fan um and then you know obviously Kobe that's my all-time favorite player um and then I would say the you know 2010s, um, I would probably say, hmm, I mean, Kobe was still in there for a while. So Kobe yeah, that's true. Half, that's true. Kobe still takes up about half of that. So Kobe and then kind of transitioned into, um, I really like, before he got hurt, I really liked Darren Williams. Oh, dude, yeah, I, really I love, I loved him. Him and Brandon Roy, and then um, as of late, Westbrook, Kyrie. So right now, probably like Kyrie. That's like kind of who I, you know, I've kind of been getting Kyrie comments 
as of late. So like, <laughs> I, I, I like got the you know footwork with the ball placement with the with the body movement. Like I got it all mastered now. So I'm I, I like to see that from Kyrie because it's like that's what I that's how kind of how I play at this point. You know, in my own way, I'm probably a little bit more efficient with it. You know, because I grew up. I grew up playing in narrow trailer hallways. So that's got right. me like that got me playing like downhill. I'm always like downhill. But like I've kind of really developed the last three or four years. So I like Kyrie. Even Luca. I like watching Luca. Um so yeah, and, and Steph, of course, you know, I like watching For Steph. Sure. I feel like he just entered that top five of all time category. So, you know, as of late, Westbrook, Kyrie. Steph, and I was made a believer of LeBron at the beginning. I wasn't like I loved this. I love LeBron, you know, especially what he's meant off the court. You know, I kind of, I kind of was ahead of the curve as far as extending myself off the court and understanding myself as far as a brand. You know, understanding my name, my image, and my likeness. So, LeBron was a big inspiration to me to lean into that for myself to my own degree at my own level. So I appreciate LeBron more so for that. But I really wasn't really bought in as early as most people. I kind of had to become a believer to where now, like, I have thoughts to where, like, like you really can't you really can't go against somebody saying that he's the GOAT, you know? Yep. But I'm always going to be like Jordan, Kobe, Bron. That's always going to be my <laughs> my, uh, my top three. Yeah, that's how I am. I, I'll never – I'll never argue that he's not. You know what I mean? It's like I, I just if like some days I think he is, some days I'm like Jordan, some days I'm Kobe. I don't care. If it's one of those three, I'm living with it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh what's your favorite movie of all time? Favorite movie? Menace to Society. Fire. Great movie. Um I think because like the the moments, like the the phase I was in in my development at that time, it was like I had it was right when I had just moved from the county into the city. Yeah, like I was like my friend group changed, like what I was exposed to changed. I was in different circles, experiencing different things, and like I remember I was watching that movie for the first time. At that point, the movie was like probably 15, 20 years old, but like I remember I was so locked in and like captivated by that movie to where like. You know, I just found myself in a different way through my development. So I'm like, yeah, this, you know, I, I love the hood. You know, I love the streets. Yeah. I love, I love the trap. You know, I love that whole lifestyle. You know, it's a lot that comes with it. But like, that movie like was very, very like influential to me. You know, and fortunately, I've been able to be protected and be one foot in and one foot out. So, I've, you know, I'm grateful that I'm. I'm free, you know, because a lot of my friends are in prison, have been in prison, have been in and out of prison, so uh, are dead, you know. So uh, I'm just grateful, you know. But that meaning that movie was was at a pivotal point for me. That's a classic. Uh, who's your favorite rapper of all time? Boosie, for sure. Ooh, Boosie. That's that's a that's kind of like that's not random. That's that Kobe. But I wasn't boy. expecting that. Yeah. Small town, Indiana. That's that small <laughs> Indiana hood in me. Like Boosie, yep. Gucci. Man, that's that's who we that's who kinda like we grew up on in that in that 
space, you know, Boosie and Gucci. Yeah, I love both of those guys. Um, what's the best piece of advice that a coach has actually anybody can it can be anybody. What's the best piece of advice somebody's ever given you? Best piece of advice. It's hmm. a good question. Really not too many times I've like actually been sat down, even like through my childhood with my parents, like I haven't not too often I've been sat down and like shared advice, you know. Yeah. It's been like a lot of like learning through experience learning through um kind of what not to do you know or what how not to act and just observing and you know just kind of gaining that understanding myself but uh one piece of advice you know probably like as of late you know the most recent years you know just um be yourself um be comfortable expressing yourself um don't judge others, you know, don't be critical of others, you know, so that'll probably be the, the main advice that I, you know, base my life on, you know, just continuing to understanding that learning and life is like a, it's a never ending everyday commitment, everyday journey. Uh, so just having the open mindedness not to ever, I've never boxed myself in any box, you know, so having that open-mindedness and being able to um, be willing to, to learn and be challenged. And, you know, I really I understood a point to where I really didn't have any true beliefs or, or opinions, you know. So once I realized that, I, like, had to go a little deeper just to really understand, like, the morals I were built on, the beliefs I was built on, and just, you know, kind of how I perceive things, you know. So... You know, just be comfortable being yourself. Um, don't judge others. You know, be understanding. Have an open mind. Know that everybody's life and upbringing has been different, you know. So even the the most hateful things, the most things that sound the craziest, the, the behavior that's the most detrimental and that could, you know, take lives. You know, I, I have a level of empathy where... I understand it, you know, and I still listen to them and I still see them as people, you know, and and I still see that, you know, you can you can redeem yourself from anything, you know. So, I mean, I'm probably like full of empathy, full of love and, you know, just full of trying to be myself and and, uh, continuing to learn. Love it, man. Um, all right, this is a funny one. Uh, describe the first day of school fit your senior year of high school. What's the fit looking like? The fit, man. So, you know, the night before, you know, you you had already went Christmas shopping, you know, so you got your first day fit ready. So you put the jeans on. You put the T-shirt on top of the jeans, you know. You put the shoes on the bottom. You're like, oh, <laughs> morning. oh, I'm gonna kill him in the morning. Shout out to Mike Epps, man. I had to, I had to take it to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh shit! But yeah, just uh, back. I mean, high school. You know, I, I still see pictures of like, 
you know, I'm from the tall T era. You know, you probably from the tall T era too. Yeah. So the, the the tall T under the tall T. So the tall T under the tall T was bigger than the tall T on the top. You know, so. And then the jeans, it might be a different color too. You know, it might have the tan five X with the white six X under. You know, with the hell yeah, with the. With the with the Tims, you know. With, with the, the fucking Jabot jeans. <laughs> with the Bows, with the Evisels, with the, uh, man, with the, um, you know, tying the jeans up on the bottom mm-hmm. with the right. Um, with the, the polo, with the tall tee under the polo coming out the bottom. You know, that's, that was the, that, that, them was the days, man. The that's, days. <laughs> that's nasty work. <laughs> that's yeah. nasty work. I like it though, man. Yeah, I, I've I've uh, regretted some some outfit choices that have recirculated, man. But it's just what was that was what was cool back then, bro. Yeah, for sure. I remember I had a um, real quick. I had a, and you probably seen it because like it was just one of the items that was that we wore. You know, the big black tall tee with I had like the big Malcolm X face on it. It was like. <laughs> face full of Malcolm X and I must have like found it in, like one of our storages and I put it on like within the past five years I put it on and I'm like like how the hell huge was I how was I comfortable wearing this like huge bro that shit was you, crazy you know what I do miss though that I think could still have a chance today is the racing jackets oh yeah, yeah for, sure, the, for sure the race the NASCAR jackets were fresh as fuck I had a damn Never had the race car joint. I used to have a Carhartt. Oh, the Carhartt, yeah, that's definitely some Kokomo oh. shit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> black car, black Carhartt. All right, last last three here. Um, I think I know the answer, but I'm gonna put it out there anyway. Uh, who's the toughest player you ever had to guard? Jeff Teague. I was going Jeff Teague or Eric Gordon for sure, because them in so high school. We, we were we were all in the same class, um, and just growing up, we used to play against each other, you know, throughout the AAU circuit, and you know that was back when he played for No Excuses, um, and just he was just so shifty and so quick, and um, you know Jeff like these days, you know one thing, one thing. One thing these days, you know, that I, I like and I and I relate to, you know, a lot of these kids these days, they're actual fans of each other. You know, mm-hmm. like they they follow each other and they show each other love and they watch these other games and they give each other the comments and the likes and the reposts and you know, and back in, in our days, you know, it wasn't really like that. You know, it was like kind of everybody, you know, kind of in their own lane, you know, pride on their shoulder, you know, yep. like, oh, I see you on the court. But, you know, I was the player, like, I was a fan of those players. Like, I was I was probably one of the biggest fans of Jeff Teague at that time. You know, I remember, like, we would be – we would have our tournaments and the schedule would come out. I would go through the tournaments. My dad and myself, we would go through the schedule of the tournaments. We would highlight our games. And we'd highlight Jeff games. Like I had to go, like I had to go watch his games, you know, because it was he was kind of like ahead of his times as far as like the skill and the shiftiness and the speed and the quickness and just the athleticism. And 
you know, so he was just so fun to watch, you know, and just like um, his temperament, you know, like I used to be fond of his temperament and, you know, it kind of like added to my development, you know, and the temperament that, that I have to this day, you know, so um, I don't mind showing love, you know, I don't mind, you know, um, showing that appreciation, you know, because um, I'm comfortable with myself, you know, yep. but, but Jeff, you know, he had a, we were in the same class, we were competitors, but, you know, he had a, he had an influence on me, you know, and, you know, and even to this day, you know, so just to see how he's evolved, his career and where it's went, um, how he's re represented Indiana, bringing back the factory, pouring into the youth, you know, and just seeing, you know, the fact that, you know, he came off a championship and I feel like we kind of have that in common as well to where like, you know, we're proven, you know, so like you can move different when you're proven, you know, like right. got your own motion, you can move at your own pace to where like, when I've been in moments when I haven't had an opportunity, like, like I said, my motion pivoted this way. And I've always been like, I never had to question it. And I've always been able to like stand on like, okay, this is just a time period. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing. You know? And so just to see him like coming off a championship, obviously he's had a great career and now I'm sure he's had other opportunities to play in the league or even go overseas and get a bag, you know, but he's just so, sturdy in who he is as a man and comfortable it's like that's what i respect more than anything you know just the pace that he's on you know and um that along with just him pouring into the youth and you know being there and and you know a lot of us you know it's different putting in money than putting in time and being visible and being able to be touched you know i've taken pride in being visible and being able to be there in the hood in the city, in the classrooms, being able to be as accessible, you know, so for him to be there and, you know, the kids probably loving that and gravitating mm -hmm. to him, you know, um, you know, much respect towards him and his family. You know, I'm definitely um, happy to see where his career has went and, you know, for what it's worth, proud of him, you know, for how he's represented his family in Indiana and, you know, just the, the impact that he's had on me and my game. And you know, and I, speak. Guarded, I even guarded him this past summer, and he hit me with the same move that he's been hitting all the whole. <laughs> the whole so I'm like, like damn, like you know, I'm I'm really like, like I'm I've turned into a great defender, you know. But even guarding him still is still that sense in you, like, like, like again, like I'm the one, like I'm a, a aggressive defender. But even when I guarded him this summer, I'm like. Like damn, he got that same effect yeah. on. Still like, like damn, like she just what's up? What's about to happen? What's about to happen? Yeah. Instead of like, what everyone else is like, I'm getting up in you, like. So yeah, it's it's you know it's cool to be in the same class and you know to to have both went on and had our own different types of careers and you know hopefully one day they all come back they come back full circle and we're able to to do some some good work in the state of Indiana. For sure, man. I was gonna say shout out to Jeff too, because he used to hoop in tall tees. Speaking of tall tees, that that man yeah, was hooping the six X, bro. Insane. Yeah. I was a he's, style. he's so fast, bro. You can't even see no part of his arm because his shirts are so big, you don't know where the fuck the ball is going. Yeah, it was just all t shirt and they were always <laughs> all black, white. So it was just it was just trill watching. Crazy, you know, they, bro. Yeah. 
Um, what is a song or an artist that you're embarrassed to admit that you really enjoy? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, first off, I'm not embarrassed to admit anything. <laughs> uh, let me see. Um, I mean, when you're on such a journey, you kind of evolve and grow through music as well. To where, like, I don't really listen to the same music I've always listened to. Mm-hmm. I rarely leave the, like, I know, like, all the hot songs, but, like, I don't really listen to much rap. Um, you know, it kind of evolved into, like, listening to, like, leaning on to my wife and what she listened to as far as, like, the Ari Lennox and the Janae Aiko and um, Summer Walker, you know, that type of vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, that's been a great part of our journey, you know, and then evolving from that. And now, like, you know, I listen to, um, you know, Afro beats, you know, smooth Afro beats or some smooth jazz or, um, you know, just the sounds of nature, you know. So it kind of like I've been on an evolution through music as well, Um, you know, but like when it's time to go to practice or play a game, like, you know, I, I go back into, you know, my hip hop rap bag, you know, but for sure, uh, I've evolved through that as well to where like now I understand the the impact that that music has on us, you know, and and kind of keeping us in certain mindsets that mm-hmm. are meant to evolve through, you know, so a lot of people, you know, are caught up in certain spaces of their life and certain situations and relationships in their life because they're getting it confirmed through the music you know so like i had a point to where the music was confirming what i was going through as well but like i healed and grew through all that you know so like naturally i'm just not gonna i just don't want to listen to that anymore because not that i'm not emotionally in a place to listen to that and be cool with it you know I just don't want to think about those type of scenarios and patterns and mindsets, you know? So, I mean, I'm living a pretty intentional, pretty immersed life to where like organically I've just continued to evolve, evolve, evolve. And, you know, I think right now there's like some, some Afro beats playing, you know? So, you know, it's just evolution, man. That's what it's all about. I love it, man. All right. Last question this is um this is interesting that i had this on here and mind you we we didn't talk about what we're going to talk about before you didn't even look at the outline and it's kind of fitting but uh i know your answer will be interesting so what is your worst fear my worst fear that's a great question um for me and how my life has played out from an early age. Um, once I became an adult and had some experience and had a chance to reflect back, um, I realized, and I mean, this is just, it's my journey, you know, and I'm comfortable to, to stand on it and it's going to be taken and perceived however you want. But I had to look back and you can kind of maybe, now that you have some context to it, you can maybe assess, you can maybe confirm it. Like I look back and I'm like, once I realized the impact that doubt and fear has on people, 
that's when I reflected back on my own journey and I realized like, like, damn, I never had any doubts. I never had any fear. Like I just, that just ha- wasn't how I was raised. Whether it was, it was naively raised through my parents and, and unknowingly raised. It wasn't like they intentionally raised me to not have any doubt or not doubt myself or not have any fears. It was just like kind of how my life played out. I was like, damn, like, like, I had a I had a point to where I had to like I had to understand other people at a different level. So within that process of understanding other people at deeper levels and the relationship of myself with them, that's when I realized like how doubt and fear really affects people. So it made me it confirmed to me like like okay, like I have a great foundation because I've never really experienced doubt. I never really experienced fear. I never really questioned any decision. I've never really, you know, questioned myself, you know, so I haven't really experienced that. I can't really speak on it from a, a level that probably most people can, you know, but at the same time, it gave me more compassion to, for other people. It gave me more empathy for other people to where then I was able to understand, you know, even outside of that, you know, just, just thoughts and feelings and, that combining with fear and doubt, you know, I was just under, able to understand people at a at the deepest level to where sometimes when I was misunderstood, now I gain clarity for those misunderstandings because I understand people are going through so much internally, you know, whether it's managing their thoughts and managing their feelings, uh, managing doubt and fear, you know, I've always been a visionary, you know, I've always, you know, I had a good foundation because my dad got his business degree and he's been able to guide me to an extent along my journey. But, you know, when it came to planning events and, and, uh, putting together the logistics and, and making connections with people and, and making this come together for this, like, you know, I've, I've just always been solution based, you know, I've never like been held up on anything. It's like, okay, like how do I figure this out? You know? So that kind of speaks to the same effects of like, you know, I never question anything. I just always flow forward, you know? So mm-hmm. um, there was definitely a point when I realized, like, you know, I was I was glad to realize, you know, I've never had to, like, I've never been held up by any fears or held up by any doubt, you know? But at the same time, and it kind of led me to this experience here in Australia. That's why, for multiple reasons, I've been led and, and guided here, you know, because when I got here, I experienced a sense of fear. So it was obvious to me because I haven't ever really experienced that. And what that was, was being this close to the ocean and being this just nearby the ocean and the unknown that's in the ocean and, you know, just the life that's within the ocean and just, the unknown, you know, like it kind of like had me a little uncomfortable to where like I grew up swimming, I grew up in pools, I grew up in lakes, you know, I grew up in nature, you know, but when I got here, I like, I felt a little uncomfortable, you know, to where I'm like, okay, like that's, that's gotta be fear, you know? So with that being said, like from what I've learned from how you approach fear, the perspective that you approach fear from like, and I've experienced uncomfortable situations but i've always leaned into them you know but like what i've learned now is like 
if you experience fear or doubt or um, uncomfortable feelings, you have to go towards it. Mm-hmm. So that being said, like I'm within a free diving class right now. I had my first weekend of the class and in the next week or two, I'll make my first dive in the ocean. So I'm that's like, dope. I gotta, I gotta run through this shit. Yeah. Because that's what I learned that you're supposed to do when you, when you experience fear, you know? So it's, it's been, it's been cool to, to feel that within me, you know, that, um, that, that kind of a little bit of overthinking, you know, and it's just comes down to the unknown, you know, and just the possibilities and, you know, just being immersed within the ocean, um, you know, so at this point, I wouldn't, there's still like a, a sense of a little bit of uncomfortableness, but like, I would say the fear is kind of taking a step back because I'm taking the steps to go towards it. So it's like, now it's more like being, being proud of, of facing this and approaching it in a way that I would encourage anybody to approach anything where they experience question or doubt or fear or overthinking, you know, cause through my journey of like being there for people and being able to be someone to listen to people and to understand people, like I've had to do a lot of, of, of work of understanding, um, having negative thoughts, you know, being depressed, being, having anxiety, having fear, having doubt. Cause I've never had to experience those, you know, I've never had to face those, you know, and that's a, not a, that's a testament to like how I was raised, the coaches and mentors I've had in my life and just how aligned I've been with my calling and my destiny. But I've had to do work to really understand depression and anxiety and overthinking and fear. Like I've had to really like educate myself on those to be able to like listen from a better perspective and to be able to share my, my wisdom to those people who are facing that at levels that, that will encourage them and that will give them hope to, to endure those feelings and attack those feelings and be able to sit within themselves, within those, those feelings you know so a lot of my process of understanding myself deeper internally has been mostly based on attempting to understand others you know because i've been in a good space for a long time naively you know unknowingly so now it's like i'm kind of just molding it all together and like i said just making sure i can articulate it and speak on it from a tone to where it's received, you know, because I've, I've shared a lot and, and been there for people. And I don't think I shared it in the right tone. Not that, not that it wasn't what they needed to hear. I don't think it was in the right tone that it was received the right way. And with the right amount of level of, of empathy, you know, so now I'm in a good space to where I got that balance and, you know, um, I just got to lean forward, you know, so it's been cool to experience some, some fear and you know i'm proud that i'm leaning into it that's dope man perfect answer uh before i let you get out of here um tell everybody kind of where they can find you on social media or any you know any notable links that you might want to share yeah for sure man um so i mean i'm pretty pretty active you know just sharing part of my journey um on instagram on twitter on facebook um i pretty much shared the whole time you know 
Um, so, uh, yeah, so Twitter, Instagram, at BrandonWood30. Um, Facebook, you know, just search my name, Brandon Wood. LinkedIn, Brandon Wood. Um, Anchor platform, uh, you can search my podcast platform, Inside the Neighborhood. Spotify, Inside the Neighborhood. Apple Podcasts, Inside the Neighborhood. And YouTube, I have my own personal YouTube channel, which has been my platform for my conversations from my podcast. So uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, You know, you can find me on any one of those. Um, You know, I just, um, I'm just flowing, man. It's been organic. You know, I've just been able to stay in the moment. I haven't had to really, like, force myself on social medias. I haven't had to, like, uh, really reach for nothing, you know, so I'm just kind of, you know, letting it come, you know, but I'm entering a space to where like, you know, there'll be more, a higher level of intention, you know, mm-hmm. behind building specific platforms, you know, so, um, you know, I'm just loving the journey and, uh, you know, just continuing to guide as I can, motivate um, and inspire as I can. So um, feel free to follow me on any of the networks. No doubt, man. I will uh, link those up in the show notes. Uh, appreciate you jumping on here, man. This was awesome. This was, shoot, we going on three hours now. We're like Joe Rogan status out here, bro. It's all good, man. I love it, man. I appreciate your time, man. This is awesome. Yeah, for sure, man. Thank you for letting me come on, man. And again, uh, happy for, you know, the platform you've built, you know, giving people the chance to share their stories um no matter what they're doing um so you know definitely respect towards that um you know it's it takes a lot to to open yourself up to to you know we're listeners first you know so you gotta Mm -hmm. be a good listener before you're a good communicator so you know to just the fact that you're a listener that you're able to open up yourself and be vulnerable and share parts of your story that you feel comfortable like I understand um, the journey that you're on, you know, we're both relatively early in the journey, but, you know, I definitely encourage you to keep leaning into that, you know, and, you know, I know I'm going to keep learning and, you know, I'm sure you're on a journey to keep learning and continue to, to hone this craft as well and this skill as well, you know, so much respect towards that and, you know, look forward to getting more and more familiar with your platform and checking out some interviews and, uh, just, you know, locked in, you know, we're locked in now. So uh, yep. appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you. Yes, sir, man. Appreciate it. And that was episode 18 with my man, Brandon Wood. Crazy, crazy episode there. I really hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. I learned a ton about Brandon and just his unique process and journey. And uh, like I said, I just have so much respect and love for the dude. Uh, to be able to share his story, help other people with his story and his perspective. And then also just the admiration that I have for him to continue to play at a high level and refine his game and refine his life throughout all of the ups and downs that we talked about in this episode. So if you could do me one favor, whatever podcast platform or whatever streaming platform you're listening on, go ahead and leave a review Um, let Brandon know how much this episode impacted you, whether it be positive feedback in the comments, leave a five-star rating, um, 
you know, just leave Brandon some words of encouragement or some positive feedback so he can go to this episode and, and say, damn, I had a great impact on these listeners. And, you know, I spent my time wisely by sharing my story because uh, that's ultimately what I want to do is give people a platform for them to share their story and have people be able to appreciate that. And uh, whether it be a story like Brandon's or strength conditioning or basketball knowledge, I just want my guests to feel like they truly made an impact on my community, my listeners, um, and gained a community of listeners that are going to then follow them for the rest of their journey. So please do that if you can. That would be amazing. If you're new here, feel free to jump back to some previous episodes. We got some fire in the vault, in the archives. And yeah, I really, really appreciate your support tuning in. And, and uh, you know, it means so much to me that you guys are supporting the show and listening every week. Hope to see you back here next week for episode 19. Thank you.